Fellow adventurers, the end of our quest is in sight. One maniacal desperate is all that stands between us and saving the world. And that means it's time to eat. How about I cook up a great filet mignon with scrumptious Brussels sprouts and delicious potatoes like rotten. Oh, and I'll cook up some chocolate eclairs and a really tasty gelatin dish to round it off. Yum! <laughs> oh dear. It looks like sitting here for two hours eating that food let that maniacal despot kill everyone in the world we cared about. It was worth it! Hey, paisanos! It's the Backcheck Brothers Super Show! We're the Backcheck Brothers, and old school are gays. We're not like the others. You get all the fame. If you're back left in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. You're hooked on the brothers. For a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for a picture from our pieces of sweet from consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And you have stumbled upon another episode of RPG Backtrack. I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is the one, the only, Mr. Mike Minky. Tonight, all things being equal, AT&T will actually perform its necessary function and provide me a stable internet connection. Maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. You just jinxed it. Yeah, well, I don't think I'm the first to ever raise the unreliability of AT&T connections, so I don't feel too bad. And, and if I am the first, then I feel astonished, and the world has been... How has the internet never come upon this massive object of dis- of disdain. How is that possible? I don't, I don't know, but hey. what is possible is that we are on show number 182, Hearts of Graces, and we have a couple of people to help us talk about Hearts of Graces. What a weird name for a game. And uh, to do that, we got a couple of weirdly named uh, people. First off, we have Ms. Kyan Relly. Uh, just as butchered as Hearts localization. And Mr. Alex Emptier. I can say Minky quickly. <laughs> How many shows did I, that take, Mike? Uh, I have blocked that factoid from my memory. <laughs> <laughs> but he is right. I can't believe I followed I think I kind of got it. Yeah, yeah. But since you brought it up, maybe we can find a way to, to fix that. I don't know, Phil. I think I've heard every possible butchering of my name over the years. You can try, but you won't come up with a new one. Now, and what's really great is I work in a profession where we can regularly butcher people's names. Because I work at a hotel, and at most hotels, when somebody calls from a room, their little, uh, you know, on our phone station, their name will pop up with the room number, and we're supposed to say their name in the introduction. And when you get, like, Japanese guests and stuff, the fun never ends. Let me tell you. So I am, when I say I'm a professional name butcher, I'm not lying. (laughs) 
I get paid to do this. <laughs> I do it all day. It's great. See, I work in e-commerce, and people see my name and my email signature, and they still manage to spell it wrong somehow. Well, that's because lots of people have lost the ability to actually check what they're writing and just let their fingers go without actually examining the message before sending it. Yeah, I can, I'm known to do that too sometimes, but I at least try. Keyword try. Try. Well, you know what you can't really butcher is the spelling of our two games for tonight. We're talking about Tale of Hearts R and Tales of Graces F. I mean, it's almost like they try to tell you how to spell the, the, the game. And, you know, by putting a letter at the... I don't know. Anyways, that's somehow supposed to be a segue to our main event. So we're going to take a tiny little break. And we're going to come back and talk about these games and oh so much more. So please, sit tight. This is the main event where we take a game or series of games and we jump into all the beefy, spoily insides and and just you know and just tear it up. We go into characters, we go into plot, and everything more. If you ever want to be spoiled in a story, you're in the right place. And we're going to kick this off by talking about even though you didn't want to be spoiled on our last episode. Uh, no, 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 we can't be spoiled on that one. No, no, we're saving <laughs> that one. I'm saving my Xenoblade Cherry. I'm saving it. Okay. I'm still working through. Oh my God, Xenoblade! Don't even. We're not here to talk about Xenoblade Chronicle. We're here to talk about Tales of Hearts R. This is developed by Namco Tales Studios. If you're playing the DS version, apparently, um, developed by Bandai Namco Studios. If you're playing the Vita version, uh, this was uh, published by Bandai Namco Games. It was released on the Nintendo DS only in Japan, apparently, on December 18, 2008, and on the PlayStation Vita in North America on November 11th. 2014 a single player tales of action rpg experience and i think i think on the vita was this not like a was this the one that was the gamestop exclusive yes it was it was the physical version was only sold at gamestops ah i remember specifically stopping to pick it up just to get it into the collection and interesting thing about the Japanese version, there was two versions of it. There was one with CGI cutscenes and one with anime cutscenes. That might have actually been the last time I was actually in a GameStop because I really don't do that anymore. I really try to avoid GameStop. <laughs> I don't I was mind. In one over the weekend, and then I saw that there was one cashier operating for twelve people in line, and I said, "Nope, 
Not worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was in one this weekend just picking up some toys, and they kept trying to sell me Kingdom Hearts 3, saying, oh, it's definitely coming out this year. Like, yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. Oh, but it's got special DLC. Like, yeah, I'm what? not buying until I get a release date. It has <laughs> DLC? I'm shocked. I'm. It's as if you just shot me with an arrow. I can't move. I know. Well, Square Enix doing DLC, by the way. Let's talk about a game that actually does have DLC, but we'll mention that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so who wants to jive? They jive. Who wants to talk <laughs> about the beefy plot spoiler elements of Tales of Hearts are? Because all Tales games have a super deep story. I'm just dying to hear this one. Well, this one is... You can't fault it for having a lack of ideas. I'm not going to say it executes all of those ideas well in the slightest, but it has a lot of ideas. So, all right. Our lead is, well, the localization says his name is Core Meteor, but every time they speak, you can hear clearly hear that his name is Shingu Meteor. I don't know why the translation team did that, but there it is. And he is your typical naive teenage protagonist who has never been outside of his home. Will he experience new coming-of-age trials when he finally leaves? Yes, he will. And he is training with his good old grandpa. And along comes a pair of other people. One of them is named Kohaku. Her brother is named Hisui. And their surname is Hearts. That is where we get our title, Tales of Hearts. It's the Hearts brothers and sisters. Isn't that sweet? And the evil Inkaros, who appears to be some kind of a magician, wants Kohaku for reasons that you will learn later. And Kohaku, to protect herself, shatters her Spiria into 11 pieces. And now we need to learn what a Spiria is. A Spiria is kind of a combination of your heart, your mind, and your soul. And you're going to hear people say Spiria a lot in this game, so you better get used to that word. So her Spiria has been shattered, and now because Kor blames himself, oh, and because his grandpa got killed fighting the evil Inca Rose, he takes it upon himself to journey with her brother and go find all the lost pieces of her Spiria, which are scattered around the world. Wait, Kohaku and a thing getting shattered? That sounds like Inuyasha. Couldn't be. No. Absolutely no relation. Because there's absolutely nothing like Naraku in here at all. Nope. Not at all. Um... Now you got me thinking about Inuyasha. Thanks a lot, Kelly. Anytime. Yeah, I'll bet you. So, off they go. Kohaku is no use at all for a while because, along with shattering her spiria, most of her emotions have departed. Which is an excellent opportunity to explore what a person who without emotions would be like, except that she just kind of gets one back with each piece that they find, and she recovers her fear... Ah! So she quails and takes fright at everything for a little while, and then that's just forgotten. And then she gets back her love, and she loves everybody for a little while, and then that's just forgotten. And after you get about the seventh or eighth piece back, she's able to join you in fights, which helps out because she kicks people a lot, and that's kind of helpful. Let's see. Along the way to getting the second or third piece, I can't remember. There are a lot of pieces of her spirit they have to collect. They meet a guy named Gaul. And Gaul is, of course, in his late 30s and an expert fighter, so of course everyone has to mention that he's an old man all the time and he has to talk about it too. 
Right, Phil? You're an old man, right? Mm-hmm. Well. You've been in the hotel business for so long that you just feel like it's time to retire a bit. I, wait, well. that's... <laughs> well. Anyway, Gaul has two axes. He likes to fight, but he's old. He's super old. He has to mention and, that every time he gets a level. Not bad for an old man. <laughs> and I have to also point out here that if it sounds like Gaul... Uh, doesn't belong in this story. It's because he wasn't in the original DS version. He was shoehorned in for the remake. So he he means Jack all in the overall story. I like I that's like good because he's old. But which is a shame because he was my favorite character because he's <laughs> so cool looking. Yeah, he is. He lo- I mean, he kind of looks like a guy who'd be hanging around an Apple store, but he still is a cool guy. He seems like a nice dude. Let's see. To me, we have not- so to me, he looks like a ski instructor combined with the dude from The Big Lebowski. The dude? Yeah, the dude. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Either way, he, he's a cool guy. Even though he wasn't originally in the game, he, they managed to give him lots of lines all throughout so that he's not just sitting there mute all the time. And who's next? Who is our next character? Is it is it Kunzai? No, it's it's Ines. Ines, the entrepreneur woman who likes to wear a midriff-bearing shirt, and everyone likes to have skits conversations that talk about, what are those big things on Ines? Oh, wow, those, they're so huge and so heavy. Those must be really hard on her back. Ah, ha, 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 they were talking about what's in her money chest. Not her gigantic bust. Not at all. <laughs> and... You also get to meet Beryl, who looks about eight, but is in fact, I don't know, 17, 18. She's an aspiring artist. And she look, also looks like she has, like she wants to be a cross between Red Riding Hood and witch, and a witch of some kind. And she has a broom and a paintbrush. And then you meet Kunzite, who is a robot, or an automaton, or an android, or a cyborg, whatever you want to call it. And he talks like a robot most of the time. Except when he decides that you are, because somebody in your team has decided that uh, you're at odds with his purpose, then he has to fight you for a bit, and then he, after he loses, he gives up. And eventually, after beating the crap out of it a couple times, Chalcedony joins you. Chalcedony has a very unfortunate Prince Valiant haircut. He's blonde. He was also not in the original DS version of the game, right? You know, I don't remember that part. He, I... he wasn't playable. He was, okay. was in the game, but he was an NPC. And he is your eighth and final playable character, and he uses a sword, and he has wings, which you'd think would be far more useful than they actually turn out to be, because most of the time he just hovers in place. And those are your playable characters, but eventually you get a few hangers-on who accompany you around the place. So, your mission to get Kohaku's Spiria reassembled takes a long time. It eventually takes you to the center of the Empire, which controls the entire world, and you meet... The army and the church, which are fighting each other for control of the empire, and you get to take part in some of that civil war. And eventually, you meet the third side. Ines works for the third side, by the way. She's a special ops soldier who has a crush on her commanding officer, Silver. Poor Silver. He doesn't survive. He tries too hard and gets killed. And that is the impetus 
We have spent half of the game getting here, people. Kohaku's Spiria is finally reassembled, and our real bat villain can finally appear. The nefarious, the evil Creed Graphite, who dresses like a fusion of Gene Simmons and David Bowie. And he's so evil. He wants to start up the evil black moon that's been hovering in orbit for 2,000 years and sucked off the spurious of everyone on the white moon 2,000 years ago. And he's going to suck off the spurious of everyone on whatever the name of the planet is. It's, they call it Organica in the text, but it's clearly not Organica when it's spoken aloud. And use those spurious to revive the white moon, which will also bring back Flora, who is the sister of Lithia. And who is Lithia? Why, she is the green-haired woman who is in Kohakuspiria and has been talking to her all her life, and nobody believed her that she had a little green-haired woman talking inside of her head until Lithia was let out, which she is. She's, she is, of course, also 2,000 years old and has been shifting from person to person over the centuries. Creed was also shifting from person to person over the centuries. He was hiding in our hero, Core until Core's emotions got too intense and let Creed out and now he's free and he and the second half of the game begins as instead of immediately trying to destroy the world we have to go through a whole lot of fetch quests and unlock some abilities because it takes an idiotically long time before you can fly in this game and eventually you get to walk around on the white moon where everybody's been turned to stone because that's what happens when your spiria gets exhausted you calcify and turn into stone and you just sit there and weather in the atmosphere forever and more. And yes, eventually we do get to fight Creed and we kick his butt and he doesn't give up, but he has to because he's calcifying and the evil black moon implodes and everybody has kind of a happy ending because Lithia is also calcifying and needed to be put into Kunzite Spiria somehow so that she could live on forever so that Kunzite would be her forever more guardian and after you get all that, then you get to start New Game Plus, which I didn't do. And I'm sure I'm missing a lot of small plot details, but those are the major beats, right? Yep, that's about that about does it. I don't think I got across just how many plot scenes there are in here where people are yammering back and forth and not really saying much. Yeah, that happened quite a bit in this game. I it seems like this the plot just kinda stagnated and then it was like, Oh, we need to actually have a plot. Which they did. I think it could have been edited just a wee smidgen better, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I agree. And supposedly the uh, DS versions are a lot better than this one. I know whenever Mr. Apps comes on, he's going to say nothing more than the DS version was a lot better. And I didn't play it, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, I think the DS has a very different combat system. Yeah, the DS one is based. Yeah, the DS one is based more off of classic Tales games like Fantasia and Destiny. Two D or still three D? Yeah, yeah, no two D, two D with sprites. Yeah, yeah I but, like the combat system in Fantasia. But that one didn't come here because Namco got in their head that Americans don't want two D Tales games anymore. Well, that game also came around the time that the DS was getting pirated like crazy, didn't it? Yeah, I imagine so. That that might have been a c- contributor. And there was also a lot of character, um, cameos from games that never came out here in the U.S., and I imagine that that might have had a factor in it, too. It probably did. I mean, if you're going to be a serious Hardcore Tales fan, you have no choice. You have to 
play Japanese games. There's no other yeah. way. Now, I, about the localization, I want to say this. If you listen, if you've li- ever listened to anything in Japanese, you know that the localization you're seeing in front of you is not faithful to what there's to the literal text. But I enjoyed it because much of what they put in, while it was not taken straight from Japanese, read a lot better. I think the localizers did the best they could. Right. It was just, it was very off-putting hearing the different names when they were speaking. <laughs> what, you don't th- you don't like hearing Shingu every time you see the word core in the text below? I, I was so confused when that came up. I don't it's know quite, why that was done. It's quite amusing because in the game we're going to talk about next, they... The characters are referenced in the mini game, and Shing's name is remains intact, but Kohaku's name is changed to Amber. <laughs> but that's because what? Kohaku is the Japanese word for Amber. And that's even the weirder <laughs> part. You see that there's a mineral theme with a lot of the names. So why did they leave her as Kohaku, but then have the other names be their mineral names? That makes no sense. Well, her purpose is the same because Hisui is Japanese for Jade. <laughs> I don't know. I, I cannot read the minds of the people who did this, except to say that aside from the inexplicable renamings, the localization is fun to read, which is the single largest component, I think, for making it pleasant to play or read. It does not feel like somebody just rammed Google Translate into the thing and you get verbatim localization. Uh, it just made for some very off-putting moments. Like, um, I, I remember very distinctly there was a scene where, in Japanese, she called someone, or Kohaku called Kor a sicko or something. And in the Japanese, you can clearly hear hentai in the <laughs> thing. So it's like, wait, wait, what? That makes no sense. Shouldn't she have called him a pervert? <laughs> I guess if sicko and pervert... Yeah, it's completely mutually exclusive, so that that's not the worst yeah, thing. I've, yeah, I've heard them used in the same context before, it, so that's not too bad. It, and I don't even remember the exact scene, so I could be completely talking off base here. I just remember that, you know, what little Japanese I do do know seemed very different from what was actually happening on the screen. And I'm my husband speaks Japanese, and he can, to him, those bad localizations where what they're saying or what the subtitles are and what is actually being said is just completely different. Those drive him up the wall. Well, then it's probably for the best. He didn't play this, right? No, no, he didn't. He doesn't really like games like this. Well, let's see. I feel like going through the character traits because it won't take long. Core slash Shingu is naive and he trusts everyone. And you get to see that proven over and over again. Until he has the crisis of conscience, where Creed just came out of him, and he's really downbeat, and he's like that for about half an hour, and then he snaps out of it, and it never really happens again. He's just naive, and trusts everyone, and he loves everybody, and boy, he's just... I think I've summed up his entire character right there. Yeah, in a nutshell. Oh, wait. He really liked his grandfather, and he really likes Kohaku, but he can't be bothered to actually say it until the very end of the game. To be fair, he's 16. Oh, I'm sure Kohaku's brother is perfectly okay with this, as all big brothers are in any game like this. Oh yes, Hisui. 
What is his character trait for most of the game? It's that anybody who gets close to his sister, he assumes is being an asshole and he wants to punch him or kick him or shove him away. I think he doth protest too much. That's such an original concept. His sister even says so numerous times. Brother, what the heck are you doing? Knock it off. And he never does. Not really. He 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 quiets down some as the game gets toward the end, but it never completely goes away. It, it was very creepy to me because, you know, having just watched Game of Thrones and seeing how the Lannister twins act towards another, it's like, he's a little too protective of her for my tastes. Just a little too. And there were a few skits that went into that. Ugh. They didn't go nearly far enough, though. You could make a very disturbing story about a guy who's fixated on his sister, but uh, that is not a Tales game. <laughs> oh, I'm sure someone Rule 34'd it somewhere, but you won't get into that. And let's see, Kohaku herself, for half of the game, doesn't say much. She she just talks like this because she's got an incomplete spiria. Mm. And then once she finally gets it all together again, you get to hear her real personality, where she's chipper and upbeat and she's nice to everybody, unless they don't like Miso, in which case she will kick you across the room. And I saw in one of the skits, this is this blows me away. She and Hisui come from this really cold place where she had to wear long johns all the time. So when they finally got to a warm place, what did she do? She wanted to show off her legs. That's the explanation for why she doesn't wear pants. She just wears a not even very long shirt. I don't even... Who, who in Russia decides, oh, I've lived in Novosibirsk all my life. I am going to go to Miami, and I will not wear pants, because that is the way to show off my amazing, very, very pale physique. I don't think anyone has ever said that, and if he, if someone did, then that an arrest probably followed. I would imagine so. Uh, Beryl. Until we get to Beryl's really meaningful scene where she gets to come to terms with having left and not become a famous court painter yet. Well, she's more annoying than anything else. And even after that scene, she's still kind of annoying. She's so typ- typical anime girl in a Tales game. Gotcha. And then there's Ines, who is obsessed with money. Until you get to her relationship with Silver and Silver's daughter, daughter, Daughter has a name. I don't remember what it was. I don't oh, remember oh. either. Of course, it's Lapis. The, all I have to do is think of the thing in Chrono Trigger. There we go. Lapis. And yeah, that kind of rounds her out a bit. But she still is obsessed with money and keeps threatening people with making them work for minimum wage for her career service for the rest of their lives. So the inner Ferengi of the group. She doesn't look it, but yeah. Yeah. At least I've never seen a Ferengi wearing what she does. Well, not, fem- <laughs> not, not female ones anyway, but that's getting a little too nerdy Star Trek for us. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure if we look, there is in fact Ferengi fan fiction involving outfits like that, and I don't want to look. Then there's Kunzite, who is the robot, and that's supposed to be his personality, that he protects Lithia. He's been, I love the plot holes here that... Even though Lithia was was in Kohaku's head for all of her life, she never thought to mention, oh, I have this robot that 
you you might find somewhere buried in a an army base or just underground somewhere. And once you activate him, he'll come and help me. So everyone is surprised when Kunzite shows up because nobody's ever heard of it. And really, they they shouldn't have been. I, and then there's Chalcedony, who, again, has the unfortunate haircut. He's in love with the Empress. His dad is the head of the church that's fighting for control of the Empire for a while. And you have to fight him a couple of times until he's about to be put to death and runs away with the gang. And then he's part of your group for the rest of the game. And what other character traits does he have? Oh, yeah, he likes his two Peridot and... Um, the big guy with the cannon on the, his shoulder, whose name I cannot remember. Oh, I've got the wiki right here. Pyrox. Pyrox, thank you. And they tag, those two tag along with you for a while until they have a horrible, horrible misfortune and don't see the end of the game. I'm very sorry. Uh, also, Inca Rose is the robot servant of Creed, and she lets slip in something that probably should have been addressed way earlier in the game, that she once upon a time had seven different bodies, but she's down to four at this point, and then you proceed to whack up three more of them, and her last body gets augmented into some freaky monstrosity thing, and then you still beat the crap out of it. I I don't know why that was thrown in and then done absolutely no justice. That's whatever. Yeah, Inca Rose is just kind of your annoying... Recurring boss throughout the entire game. I agree. Which is a shame because she has a really cool design and a really cool name. And again, if there were multiple Inca roses running around, why was no? Why did it never matter except for that one time in the cave? And then all the others got broken, so it, we forgot about it again. I don't know. Am I missing any characters now? Oh, oh, they're uh, Kohaku and. Core's parents who fought against uh, the ambitions of Creed 16 years or 17 years earlier, and then Creed and Lithia transferred their essences into the unborn babies because those were the only things they could reach at the time. That was different. But really, if we spent, I don't want to talk too much more about the plot. There's a lot of it, but it could have been trimmed by a good 75%, and nothing major would have been lost. Yeah, I agree. It, I had a hard time getting through this game. I think I put it, kept, well, I shouldn't have played it like this anyway. I think I kept putting it down and then picking it up back again. And be, just because the game was such a slog to get through. And then eventually when I finished like a couple of other games, I was like, okay, I really need to finish this. And I mean, segue here, what kept me going was gameplay because I actually had a lot of fun doing the battles. I agree. I, I, I enjoyed the game, but it's, the plot-wise, it's not definitely not the strongest Tales game out there. So. No. But the gameplay is enjoyable, despite what Wheels... Despite what Wheels says, the gameplay is... <laughs> well, he's not here yet, so he can't say anything. Too bad. Shame. Yeah, it's a 3D combat system. I With the character I was controlling, I never saw much point to having any of the spells with super long casting animations because that you tend to just take a hit instead of getting it off. But it's just fun to to run around and whack things really fast and get the combo system going. 
And it had a thing with it where you could use the touch screen to knock people in the air and even get a high, like, rack up your combos and get even more damage going, which I had so much fun with, except it kind of makes the game not playable on the PlayStation TV. Not unless you've got some super expensive touchscreen TV and then uh, you have to keep getting up. Well, hey, exercise. That'd be a bonus, right? But isn't it supposed to be really bad for your eyes if you're constantly putting your face up to the TV screen? That, that's a possibility. I also want to give a shout-out to all the extraneous things there are to do in the game. Because I enjoyed just running around and finding interesting things off the beaten path. Once the main story leaves off for a while, you can just look around and find, Oh, hey, look, what's that over there? Or, oh, what's What's this? Once you finally, finally get to fly, there's a lot of world to explore, and I like that in a game. Yeah, I, I really like it when you're rewarded for going off the beaten path in a game and be, being able to find stuff to help you out. And then I wasn't even trying, and I got an achievement for mapping out the entire world. So, oh, cool, neat, I guess. Um, and you I, have. A- I admit that I did play it on the the low difficulty just because. Oh, I, I oh, I I suck at Tales games so bad. I always play on the lowest difficulty just so that I can get through them without breaking a controller and or a portable gaming system. So, um, you level up very unconventionally in this game too. You have a skill tree that ties in with your emotions, and as you level up, you get points to do to do these levels. And you can also tell it to auto-level for you to kind of automatically put all the points in to get all the stuff. Yeah, I played this game enough that I actually got enough points to max out everybody to level 17 on all their stuff. <laughs> I oh, I, d- I didn't know that there was a level cap. Well, I'm not... You can't go any further, but you keep getting points, which makes you think that in uh, New Game Plus, something else will happen. And I can't uh. report on that yet. But... Yeah, as you go through, every character has five different attributes. Most of them are shared, but everybody has a unique one. And as you raise them, not only do your stats improve, but you also learn new moves. Or new. there's also the, what is it, it's a relationship personality thing, where as people get to know each other better, they share some of their techniques. Yeah, something like that. Um, I didn't look too hard into that system. And isn't there something in there, too, about your weapons evolving? Yes. As you bump up certain levels in the Spiria, you will earn new weapons because you don't buy weapons. They're mm-hmm. they're with you all the time, but as you put points into your, into your Spiria, there it is again, uh, it evolves into new forms that you can just equip as you want. And, you, and there isn't really a flat progression system where this one is clearly better. At, some of them have different attributes that might want you that might render you well that might make it a good idea to actually experiment and look around and see okay that one lets me have more magic attack power but this one ups my defense or this one increases my hit points it's not a clear one one is superior to everything type situation yeah that's it it did encourage a little bit of experimentation and Picking the right weapon for the right fight. And even though it's completely ridiculous, everybody seems to have a joke weapon in the game. I, Calcedoni has a bouquet of roses that he hits things with. 
Is it like the joke weapons in a certain other Final Fantasy game I'm not allowed to mention where they're absurdly powerful but don't Who would give you much growth? Normal? They're not absurdly powerful, but they do up your TP a lot so that you can cast a lot of spells without taking a break. Okay. And they're not they're not a joke in that if you hit things, they suddenly take single-digit damage either. Okay, because usually the joke weapons always have a trade-off in any RPG play. But I guess that sounds like that's not the case this time. If, if I didn't find them, or if I did, I didn't remember. I admit that I was looking at a fact for some of this because uh, some of this is not obvious in the slightest. I would have had no idea to go back and look at the gravesite at the very beginning of the game just because why the hell would I go back there 20 hours later? But yeah, you mm-hmm. get a scene if you do that. Uh, now, armor and whatnot, you do not earn through evolving after a level. You have to buy that. and. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I somehow have terrible, terrible money management, but I never seem to have quite enough money to outfit everybody successfully. I don't think that was just you. I always felt like I had money problems this game, too. Oh, there's another nice thing about battles, which is sometimes you get challenges where if you can land a certain combo or you keep your damage within a certain level, then you'll get bonus money or bonus experience or hit point recovery at the end. Yes, I rem- I I do remember that part of the battle system and I really like that too. It kind of it kind of really gives you an incentive to just not button mash. Yeah, and fighting is fun. I I mean, it's random battles, so it can be kind of annoying when you're when they keep the random battles in a puzzle room for crying out loud. Oh. But yeah, that's annoying cuz I actually like the fact that it had puzzles but that got in the way. <laughs> there we well, there's there's nothing quite like finally figuring out, okay, this is the pattern I need to have the grid doing, and then get into a fight and forget what you were doing. Yeah, there should never be random battles in a puzzle room at all. I hate that. <laughs> Thanks, Namco Bandai. Great well, to design To be fair, choice. they hadn't had random battles since for a long while, so maybe they forgot that. <laughs> And then there's the cooking system. I already mentioned that Kohaku loves miso, and miso is for some reason by far the most expensive food ingredient. That that fits, right? Miso tends to go for a thousand every time you get it in the store, right? Well, it's probably there because Kohaku and Suya are from somewhere completely different. They want I mean, to import it from most places. I mean, to be fair, miso is always really expensive at the Asian section of my Japanese or. My grocery store, too, so. That brings up something else. Is it every Tales game? I don't remember. That has this 15-item cap on certain on everything? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But most Tales games, too, do. Unless you pay extra and can increase the cap to 30, which I kind of did in Tales of Zestria just to get through the game, so don't judge. Yeah, a few things. I think you can sometimes expand it with New Game Plus as well, but. Yeah, pretty much all Tales games start off that 15 cap. I wonder what the significance is for 15. I think it's so that you have to actually fight coherently and not just heal spam things. Well, it also means that you can't eat the same recipe very often or else you have to go back and buy more ingredients. Yeah. And... Okay, that... You you upping the item limit reminded me... 
I was looking on the PS Store and I saw just how much ridiculous DLC there is for this game. You can buy school uniforms for everybody. Well, yeah, but the Bandai Namco realized that's where they can get a load of money for microtransactions once DLC started coming in, which always costumes used to be unlockable in the game, but now it's something they can make money for, so of course they're going to. Yeah, we are we are truly in the most wondrous of times when you can spend more than you did on the game itself just filling out everybody's wardrobe. In addition, you get other swimsuits. There are swimsuits you can find in the game, but there are other ones that you have to pay, have to pay for. And you can buy levels. I think. Oh, of course. Keep in mind that in buy some ways... levels still as, in, as in leveling up? Yep. As in pay to win? Yep. Shame. Shame on you, Namco Bandai. The sad thing is that if people didn't spend the money, it wouldn't be in the game. Yeah, I I suppose after the horse armor from Oblivion, we've learned that people will buy pretty much anything. I don't remember everything. I my eyes kind of glossed over, glazed over as I saw the sheer amount of stuff that was available for DLC. But I swear. Uh, the ability to change your character's wardrobe color might have been among it. I, I always, whenever I get a new Japanese game, I actually always check the store just to see what's there, because sometimes they give you starter packs or whatever, or free costumes or stuff like that, and I don't mind that stuff necessarily, but I I would never spend actual money. Well, I say that, and I did spend actual money on Zestria to get through the game, and on Atlas games, I have spent the money on buying like level leveling and gold maps before. Well, I got this secondhand. I wanted a physical copy, and I spotted it in GameStop one day and figured, why would I buy it here when I can probably find it for a few bucks less on eBay, which I did. And thus, looking around for DLC stuff kind of shocked me because I had, I know, I'm, I'm naive. I'm... I'm a Neolithic in some respects. I had thought once I bought the game, that was it. There was nothing else to buy. But <laughs> we live in a in a brave new world where the game is never done, where stuff keeps coming out for it. Silly me. Silly you. Yeah, some of those games will, yeah, if you have them for you look at the PSN store, and some of the games like this, yeah, you'll just see rows and rows of different things you can buy. I mean, whether it's levels or currency or alternate outfits or whatever. And, I mean, we could probably do, uh, if we were a conversational podcast, which we kind of are on the final lap, we could spend whole podcasts. Obviously, it's a topic that gets debated to death. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned levels because, I mean, just to buy my two cents is, like, if I'm paying to skip your game, then why am I playing it to begin with? But it sounds like you guys are saying that the combat is fun, which implies that if there is grinding to be done, that that, that wouldn't be so bad. Like, why would I want to pay to skip it if the battling is fun? <laughs> I, mean, I did enjoy. I did enjoy fighting. Yeah, Tales games generally don't really require grinding anyway, and there's usually at least an adjustable difficulty. Even you might not be able to put it back up again if you go to a point where you do have to knock it down a touch. But they've generally been pretty friendly in terms of getting through it. So yeah, this is one of those. I've never, I've never really seen the point in the boost for Tales games anyway. <laughs> This is one of those where you can change the difficulty anytime you want, so there's really no excuse unless you have unless you're bound and determined to beat it on super hard and you think that buying levels is going to help with that somehow. 
So, uh, so we talked about the story, the characters. We talked about the combat system. What about uh, did y'all? Maybe I missed it, uh, but did, did we talk about the, the the supporting system, such as leveling up skills? I know you talked a little bit about buying equipment and stuff, but our I know some of the tales, especially recently, if you look at the last couple that have come out, have had some very interesting and debatable systems for strengthening your characters with the uh, with you know all kinds of weird systems, some of which are more opaque and hard to understand than others. How was this one? And we talked about you uh, spending skill points to level up your characters. Um, the only other thing that, this one still uses TP, right? Yes. Okay, I couldn't. Grace's F got rid of the TP. I'm okay. Mm. So yeah, you yeah. can still map your moves to the other button and chain regular arts into combos and rack up a whole bunch of skill points that way, and then rack up rack up a whole bunch of combos that way, and then you know have to use gels and stuff to restore your TP after battle, which is always frustrating because you got to manage that stuff. Let's see. I guess we can talk about the visuals because um, maybe in the DS original it wasn't this bad, but I seem to recall everyone had one dramatic gesture that would come out in pretty much every cutscene, and that was it. Yeah, I I tend to notice that stuff too, and it (laughs) kind of gets on my nerves because once you see it, you can't unsee it. I swear I saw Kor Shingu, whatever the heck his name is, he dramatically moves his right arm to the side. Yeah, it's in my brain now. I can never... And Hisui does the same thing. He dramatically moves his right arm to the side. I think I think the uh, dramatic gestures needed to be broadened a little bit. That, that, being said, that being said, I did think that this was very beautiful for a Vita game. Yeah, the, the character models don't have a whole lot of emotion... But I liked the the environments around them. The visuals of the enemies in particular were very nice. The NPCs were pretty well animated. And aside from not having much emotion, the character models were also quite good. Yeah. I, I, locations probably aren't the best tales designs either. There's a lot of brand ones. Quite a few of the towns are pretty much copies of each other. So they're not as interesting as they've been. But generally it looks pretty, pretty good. I, I did like the mindscapes. I thought that those were very interesting to look through. They were. They kind of got to be a bit samey after a while, though. Right. Um, the w- one thing to mention, like I said, the, the, the DS version had two different versions, one with the anime cutscenes and one with the CGI cutscenes. Um, the Vita version just used the anime cutscenes. <laughs> just for curiosity's sake, I looked at the CGI cutscenes on the DS version before the show, and you could tell that that was Namco being a little bit influenced by Square's character models, and they had the <laughs> spirit, but they didn't have the heart because, my God, those character models look bad. Oh, dear. Yes, I think the right choice was made in bringing the animated ones instead of the CG stuff. That just seems weird to me that they would do one with CG cutscenes because, you know, Tails has kind of had anime cutscenes most of the career. That's true. And you would think that the, the CGI ones would be more expensive to produce. Just a very odd decision to me to do that. I would agree, 
but I doubt we're ever going to get comprehensive meeting notes from Namco Bandai 10 years ago that explain what the rationale was. We're just going to have to make guesses, and someone probably thought that it would increase sales because collectors would be irresistibly tempted to buy both. And especially CGI cutscenes on the compressed DS hardware. <laughs> it's just such an odd choice. But like you said, we'll we'll never know. I don't think so, no. And, and there, Phil, I just gave a link that shows all of the DLC you can buy for this game. Isn't it great? Well, yeah, I clicked on it uh, five minutes ago and it's still loading. Because <laughs> uh, apparently the list is really long. Uh, though I do oh. find the maid outfit rather intriguing, however. Um, <laughs> so there is that. Uh, you can get the Tales of Heart Art swimsuit costume bundle for fifteen ninety nine. So I feel that's a good deal, right? Because you're getting all. Well, it is. It's, yeah. it's better than buying eight individual costumes at two forty nine. And uh, and it, you can buy the season pass for uh, thirty dollars. Now, I, you know, it's really funny because I'm thinking to myself as I look over, uh, you know, it's pretty much like you said, there's a whole bunch of level boost. Uh, there's a whole bunch of outfits. And I'm like, what does a $30 season pass get you? Like in games like Tomb Raider and such, I know there was a there was a series of, of extra content DLC and each one of those releases would add two or four hours of gameplay to the to the base campaign. But but Tales of Hearts just seems to have a whole bunch of outfits. So basically... And leveling up, maybe it might include the boost, but you're basically paying 30 bucks for a bunch of outfits? I, I I don't know if that's a really great bargain, but it must be for the hardcore people, sure. Well, think about it. You're paying $3 to get 300,000 gold in the game. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that there, a great deal? That's, that, pay to that's win. Pay to win. But uh, but like uh, like Miss Riley said, someone's doing it. So, yeah. I mean, I even I even noticed that in um, when I was playing Tales of Basaria. Uh, <laughs> just so many weird DLC. It's, it definitely feels like you're in a little bit of a different world when you play it. Because I don't really see that a whole lot in RPGs. I know that they have a lot of that in a lot of other games, but generally they're genres that, that you know, I really don't get into. So JRPGs and traditional, you're just not used to seeing that. You usually buy the game and you're done. But nope, there's a whole bunch of cute little bundles. Some very oh, questionable outfits. You- could be worse. You could have the Dragon Age Origins approach your family. Guy oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this this is true. Actually, to the DLC. No, no, you're absolutely right. That was horrible. That whole Dragon Age. Oh my gosh, it's such a sidetrack though. But wow, yeah. Don't even get me started there. I, I just we're suited for the final lap. Anyways, because uh, yeah, I could go on about Dragon Age, that whole DLC, and how that blew my mind. Um, but anywho, so uh, so overall. There's been some negatives. There's been some positives. But do you recommend... Obviously, we don't recommend the DLC. Oh, and we didn't mention the music. Oh, music. Okay, go ahead. Unfortunately, I can't speak to music on portable games because most of the time I'm playing either in bed or while we're watching TV at night, so I have the sound turned down. Um, I can't speak to the voice acting acting because I don't understand Japanese, so I don't know how well it was acted. So it was as usual. Uh, some performances were better than others. I found with a lot of Japanese voice acting, once you listen to enough of it, you can pick up that some people are more monotone than others. Music-wise, it's it's definitely not Sakuraba's strongest work. It's fairly, it's pretty forgettable. I would agree. I also hear that it was significantly remixed over the DS version. This is a, a dramatically changed version of his score somehow. 
having not listened to the DS version, I can't say that, but I saw on GameFAQs people complaining about it. And, you know, GameFAQs nerds will never complain about anything unless it's important. Oh, of course. There were a few tunes that I thought were pretty good. Uh, the battle tunes were pretty good. But most of the dungeon exploration and town themes were forgettable. Not unpleasant, just forgettable. So, so what do you what do you think? After all the pluses and minuses, do do you think that you know that you would recommend uh, Tales of Hearts R as a purchase for someone's Vita? If you're really, really, really starved for a JRPG on the Vita, which you know there's a huge shortage of, um, she says sarcastically. Uh, you're right, though. I. I'm looking on the PSN right now, and I just can't find any. The Vita is very underserved in that market. Mm. Well, it depends. It depends what sort of JRPG you want. I mean, this feels the tales niche. If you if you want a tail stock game, then it does the job. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're uh, uh, that there are a lot of tales of. I, I'm trying to think. Well, it's a game sort of similar to it with the action off new battle system, etc. So there's not too many light on, tales there's on the Vita. Is there other tale? Are do you have other tales options on the Vita uh, without importing? No, but there aren't any other sort of similar to it either. So that's what I was going to. So yeah, um, and it's thirty dollars, so it's not too expensive. And I certainly, I don't know how, but I managed to play it for something like sixty hours, so I definitely got my money's worth out of it. Oh, I did. I did too. It it's a very hard game to quantify because. It's not terrible, bad, but it didn't blow my crap away. It's it's a very meh game, and it's really hard to talk about meh games because you don't hate them and you don't love them. They're just there. Yeah, it's one you can't recommend without knowing the person's taste. So. I, I plan to do a second opinion review. I just linked to Adrian's review where he gave it a 3.5 out of 5. I'm thinking that I'll give it a 2.5 out of 5, but I did enjoy it enough that the, I managed to recall a fair amount of stuff there at the beginning, which I, I'm often pretty bad at doing, so it must have done something to me. I, I enjoyed it enough to finish it, but not enough to want to replay it. That That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Um, Tales, of, Tales of something. Hearts. Tales of Hearts are. Buy it, but not the DLC. If uh, if you're looking for a different, only after you've beat, of course, Persona Four Golden, you, you got to play that. You got to Vita, you got to play that, and maybe uh, I love Disgaea Four on my Vita. And uh, if you haven't done the Final Fantasy Ten, Ten Two, uh, you should probably do that first, and then you get to Tales of Hearts. Are so um, put Gee's memories of Salsetta in there before uh, Tales of Hearts. Yeah, you ta- you're right. You're right. Put Ease in there I would, first. I would put Ease Eight in there also. Oh right, that's true. Right. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, 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 and uh, trails of the cold, whatever. Trails of we really anything. Trails <laughs> of put that Apparently before this. We are. Okay, all right. You're right. You're right. We're sidetracked. Okay, so but you know what? You should not get Stranger <laughs> of Sword City. No, you can play this before Stranger. Of, in fact, play this twice before Stranger of Sword City. Uh, but anyways, we're gonna take a. We'll take a. No, we'll just run right into it. Tales of Grace. <laughs> you Tales didn't talk of, about the price. We did. We did. It's thirty bucks. Oh, we, 30 I didn't bucks. know what it. If you I buy off the PlayStation it. Store, I doubt if you want. Oh, of course you're right. You're right, Rally. Our listeners demand the best. They demand a hard copy. 
which is bound to cost more because I'm pretty sure this was one of those. It only came out of the the GameStop stores and stuff like that. So let's just let's just take a little perusal over to eBay because you know that's an awesome thing to do. And let's just see uh, what it's running for here. So we're pulling it up. Uh, twenty nine, forty dollars, twenty dollars. Oh, oh, oh no, no, you need this one. This one's sixty nine forty three. Oh no no! I found a seventy nine ninety nine. Oh oh oh! And it's it's a, that plastic wrap, and it, that's got to be much better than this pre-owned copy that was only twenty bucks, just because it's in the shrink wrap. Does it have an official GameStop label still on it? Yeah, one of them the the twenty dollar one actually still has the twenty uh, has a thirty dollar um, GameStop label on it. So. I think that was probably the last time I was at GameStop was picking this up. I, I it's been a while since I've been in one of those stores, but uh, there you go. Because uh, that is that is one reason why I did pick up a physical copy because with it being a Vita release and late in the system cycle and being a GameStop only, I wanted to make sure that I had it for my collection. So um, that's just one thing to keep in mind if you do collect physical Vita releases, that if you if you see it and you give a crap, I would not wait to add it to your collection because I have a feeling that eventually it's going to get pretty hard to find. Yeah. If Mac was here, I think he would be immediately listening to what you said. So since he's not here, we'll have to alert him otherwise. I, I uh, And I've often said when it comes to like the Vita, the Switch, uh, those consoles... Uh, they they only have so much memory, you know, based on how much you decide to invest, especially on the Vita, <laughs> for, for the extra memory card. So the problem is every time you buy a game from the store, unless you're constantly deleting and redownloading stuff, you're basically almost in a way, when you buy something digital, you're paying a tax if you can get the... If you can get the mem- if you can get the the hard copy for free, and they don't take up much space, they're really teeny tiny. So I I always get the Vita physical copy whenever possible. Um, so I got that one sitting in there, and I... you guys have helped me to place it somewhere a little bit further down on my backlog. Oh, and hey, Miss, just as we were about to wrap up, I see Mister Application has come online. So let's get him on board, everybody. A round of a virtual applause, yay, for Mister Michael Applications! Yay, yay, we mm. made it. So, Ooh. so Mike, we were just talking. We were just finishing up Tales of Hearts R for the for the PlayStation Vita and the DS, and I hear that you've got some opinions. On this, so before we close out, I wanted to, to get your viewpoint on this. We were just talking about whether or not it's worth buying or whatever. And I think I've heard, I've been prepped a little bit, so I brought a can of Wasatch Brewery Jack O' Lantern Pumpkin Stout, and that's what you're going to hear. Open up, all right, all right, cracked it open for you, Michael. That sounds delicious. Take it away. All right, let me give, let me, let me say this. Imagine, if you will. Um, the wonderful uh, East Oath and Felgana, which was this beautiful remake of a really old East game. I, I think most of you are probably familiar with that, right? Yes, I've played I it. Yes. I quite loved it. So imagine that if instead of that, Oath and Felgana, that, that beautiful, wonderful game, was the original release. And then someone was like, hey, you know what, guys? You know what would be like completely awesome? Let's take this great game. Let's... Uh, pull out the story and characters and stuff and smush them into a terrible, mediocre game that is nothing like the one you're pulling it from. And that is my opinion of Tales of Hearts R. Uh, because Tales of Hearts for DS, obviously I don't blame anyone that, that likes the remake because for most, that's the only version of it they have. But the DS version was this wonderful, you know, sprite-filled 
game that um you know I really loved. It was um I actually imported like so there were two versions of it for some stupid that's, that's the because one because really one of them had animated cutscenes and the other had CG. <laughs> yeah, which is okay, whatever. But the core game itself, outside of that marketing stupidity, was amazing. Just like this really fast and smart combat. Uh, like I said, great pix, great pixel art. Um, the world was pretty free roaming. It got rid of random encounters. And then, you know, it I looked did? at... Yes, there are there are no random encounters in the original Tales of Hearts. It's, and yet they were brought back. What a, yes. What a fascinating design decision. There was also no world map. It was, like, all interconnected air, um, areas, similar to uh, Tales of Graces. Um, it was just a huge interconnected world, no world map. And, you know, for a little game on the DS, which probably didn't have the huge... But, uh, the, biggest budget it was just i loved it it's one of my favorite tales game even though you know obviously i could barely understand anything in the story you know just what i can glean from i'm not sure i'm not sure that's something that's like on the top 10 list of things that fans demand to be added into a remake is random encounters it's usually random remakes take that away usually i we we saw that with like Dragon Quest, right? They they changed away from random encounters to now we can see them on the field, so you can like avoid them, right? Well, that just that's what made the freaking remake so bizarre because it's not even really a remake. It's there was this other Tales game on uh, Vita, which is a remake of a Innocence, a, right? Innocence, yes, which was which more closely matched up to that original game because it was more of a standard Tales game, I believe. It had random encounters in the original DS version. It's been a while. Um, But, you know, it made perfect sense there, and it looked like they just took the engine they had built for that and pasted Tales of Hearts story in in there. And, uh, yeah, you know, I want it. It's not, I'm going to say, it's not the worst uh, piece of garbage uh, I've ever played or anything, but, you know, it's hard for me to separate this game that I love with this whatever it is on the Vita. It, it sounds like you have the same feelings that I feel about the Wild Arms remake on the PS2, <laughs> where they took this beautiful game that, you know, granted had very crappy graphics and tried to update it for a more modern system, but in the update took out a lot of the charm of what made the original so good. Oh, yeah. They, and I'm, I, Actually, that's the same thing I thought when I played uh, Wild Arms. Uh, what was it called? Alter Code, uh, Alter Code F. F. Yeah, because the original Wild Arms was one of my favorite PlayStation games of all time. So playing, I was excited to play that. And ugh. yeah, I I felt the same way. You, I felt betrayed by that remake. Yeah, but in, in this case, I think it was almost worse because obviously. I, I didn't really understand the story or anything playing Hearts, so it would have been nice to get that original game and get an understanding for the story and characters. Even if they weren't the best, at least you know I could get a deeper connection to this game that I really enjoyed playing, and just uh, it was well, very frustrating. Would it make you happy to know that there's a fan translation of Hearts? Uh, did they ever officially release it? You know, let me check. The last time I checked, it was on romhacking.net. I know they put it on a hiatus when the official version was coming out. But wait, Mr. Apps, you know what you can't get with the DS version? 
All the DLC costumes. Oh, boy. You know you can't live without that swimsuit costume bundle. Or that (sighs) butler costume bundle. Wait. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That was Tales of Innocence and Tales of the Tempest. (laughs) My bad. Isn't Tales of the Tempest the one that was so bad it was retroactively removed from core Tales game status? Yes, and I highly recommend people go and read the uh, the the like the translation notes for that fan patch because they are hilarious. Yeah, I read that one about how that was one of the worst games that they had ever worked uh, yeah. on. It was so yeah. poorly programmed. So I, I apologize for that misinformation. I could have sworn that I picked up a fan translation for Hearts, but yeah. you're right; they probably did kill it when the official yeah. one came out. So. Um. Too bad. But I mean, I don't want to make it... See, this is the thing that I think has got me in trouble in the past. I think uh, people that played Hearts R and actually enjoyed it did not enjoy hearing me uh, poop all over uh, their favorite little Vita game. Um, it's not my favorite little Vita game. And, and I there can are... see improvements that could be made. There but are I some people out there that really liked it, yeah. I know. I'm sure. I'm sure someday I'll be able to go in and you know actually enjoy it. Just well, you know, maybe it's like people that like the special editions of Star Wars. They just don't know any. They don't know any different. <laughs> oh man, I grew up on. Uh, really feel like we got off track on that one. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to stop that here. Come on, no, and, no. yeah, that's what I do. Time to wee back. Start talking about the wonderful new songs added to the special edition of Return of the Jedi. No, 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 no. Tales of Grace is F. No, no. Maybe they wanted Dubax in the background the whole time. You don't know. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're stopping this here. Thank you, Mr. Apps. We're taking a tiny break. I'm going to drink more of this beer because apparently I didn't bring enough down here for this. And we're going to be. Phil, court shot first. Who? Cormidier, he shot first. Oh my gosh. Okay, we're we're gonna be right back after these commercial messages. Turn. I have more beer, and we are talking about Tales of Graces F, developed by Namco Tales Studios, published by Namco Bandai Games. This was released originally on the Wii in Japan, December 10, 2009, and then brought to the PlayStation 3 on March 13, 2012, here in North America. This is a single-player co-op and multiplayer RPG Tales of Experience. That I'm sure is just going to 
blow us away with much more positive comments. Yay. I think this one will be more positively received than hearts are, but and only half as many. And only half as many microtransactions. No, there's still microtransactions. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the same time, this was a remake of a game that was so bad that uh, that was so buggy that they had to pull it and re-release it. At least the original Wii version. Yeah. Oh. Holy cow, it's four forty nine for three hundred thousand gold. Are you looking at the Hearts R DLC again? Well, I you know, no, this is Tales of Grace's F. And 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 oh you could buy a cardboard mask for a dollar. Sorry, we did this last time, Mike. You kinda of missed out on the whole look oh. at all of the look at all of the DLC you can buy. Um, there is definitely more, and it's definitely more expensive. And, and holy cow, if you want to buy all these costumes, the costumes are four bucks a pop. Holy cow. Yeah, so yeah, that's pretty much all the Tales games now. Well, I mean, but the last one wasn't this the 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 the, the Vita game we just talked about. It wasn't as this expensive, and you could get like the season yeah, pass well, for thirty I bucks. Mean, I mean, you know, they have to get the three people playing the game to buy some of the DLC, so they have to make it affordable. Well, this is true because uh, it says it says here on Wiki- wait, I see that Mixofile set is free. Mm. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. We digress. Tales of Graces uh, F. Who wants to talk about the story? I suppose it comes down to me, seeing as I'm the one who stuck the thumb up in, in Slack. Yeah. So, most death right starts ahead. in a unique way for Tales games that you have basically a seven hour or so prologue that takes place seven seven years before the rest of the game, where all the main characters are in their kid forms. They so basically on the on the world of Ephinia, which is surrounded by a watery atmosphere, which I only bring up because it hides. Its only purpose is to hide a reveal later in the game, so let's start. But you're basically starting in the town of Lant, which is a sort of feudal town in a European-style kingdom. You're controlling Asbel and Hubert, who are both sons of the local lord. Asbel is the sort of rebellious adventure type, while Hubert is like shy and cautious typing the colonies basically they, those two go to a local hill naturally entirely because their father has forbidden them from doing so so therefore it must be done because you know kids <laughs> but while they're there they find some a mysterious girl who's like a couple of years older than them but she's got no memory they eventually decide to name her sophie despite the far superior suggestion being thrown out there of tiger festival <laughs> <laughs> which I, I know we have appreciate that name oh yeah yeah but uh, they return to that and they meet up with Sharia, who's like their childhood friend, but she's got the incurable cough of death, or so it seems, but she's obviously set up as Asbel's love interest. So they go, they go around finding people who might know Sophie, but eventually Prince Richard comes and visits them. Of course, as Asbel's father tells him not to bother Richard at any point, he immediately goes and finds him. <laughs> and they... <laughs> They sort of strike up a friendship with sort of Asbel eventually sort of defending him from an assassination attempt. But basically because the assassination attempt came out because of Asbel befriending him, even though it would have actually happened anyway, he gets grounded while his father and brother both sort of go to the capital with Richard. Of course, as this means that his father told Asbel not to go to the capital, Asbel goes to the capital. Then... So, yeah, while they're in the capital, they sort of 
do all the random friendship stuff, sneak around, but eventually they try and sneak into the castle through a back passage where they are attacked by a monster and Sophie apparently dies, sort of sacrificing herself to save everyone. Then sort of when Asbel wakes up in the castle, he is told that Sophie is dead and he is also told that Hubert has been adopted by a family in another country so that he can concentrate on becoming the next lord. Having been told this by his father not to do something, Asbel immediately runs away. Man, Asbel sounds like a little snot. A little bit. It's a little bit. His father doesn't exactly help things by just telling him to do stuff without really giving much of a reason for it. But yeah, Asbel is in full-on kid mode during this period. But yeah, that's basically the start of, I think, the first seven to ten hours of the game where you're sort of building up all the bonds with the main characters between them, getting the introduction to Sophie, etc., yeah, I remember that thing with uh, Hubert getting adopted out, kind of being like, man, you sold your own kid? That's kind of harsh. Yeah, it's a bit weird how they sort of hand that sort of just... They try to sort of persuade it as being a tough decision, but it's still a weird decision, especially as he's going to another country. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so you sort of skip forward seven years. Well, Asbol basically training to become a knight, which was his main goal and he's investigating a village with the person training him. But when he returns to the capital, he f- sort of Sheria comes, comes and visits, but she brings news that his father has died defending the town from an invasion from the nearby country, which is most definitely not Russia. <laughs> yeah. So basically when Sherry appears, it seems that she's actually got over the incurable cough of death. We've seen that to be curable after all. But apparently both Sherry and Asbel now have some mysterious powers which comes up as a light so Sherry can heal while Asbel I think is just generically strong for some reason. But yeah, Sherry is also rather pissed off of Asbel for sort of abandoning her like because well, she got stuck left alone because obviously Hubert, Hubert went away and then Asbel went away and then Sherry got, got stuck. But yeah, so after this Asbel returns home because there's the threat of another invasion coming and while they sort of tries to pay off another attack he ends up requiring to be sort of in the situation where he's being attacked by walking tanks for some reason but suddenly a weird light appears and Sophie re-emerges but she's aged exactly the same as she was seven years ago and without any memories it's craziness but then he plans an attack on the invading forces but Hubert also returns bringing forces from the neighbouring countries and he ends up kicking Asbel out and just taking over the town himself. So well, Asbel, Asbel, would, Asbel would probably just screw it up anyway. Yeah. It's weird. As the story, as the story he, he, he was sort of thinking that beforehand. The, mo- the moment he decided that he would come back and actually do his job, he gets kicked out of it, which is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, so while that's going on, some weird stuff is afoot in the castle. It's apparently Richard has mysteriously died. Well, his uncle, his uncle Cedric has basically killed his father and usurped the kingdom. So in this period, you get to have the fun of a civil war. It's basically the party finds Richard in the sort of castle secret passage that they were in seven years ago, but they get him out and sort of team up with a friendly duke. And here they also meet Pascal, who is probably the most memorable character in this game. Mm-hmm. But she's, she's basically an engineering prodigy from a tribe called the Omarsians, who have a bit of a background of the world and how it plays out, but you get all the Civil War stuff, then Richard becomes king. But uh, as soon as he becomes king, he basically turns to Asbel and tells him to go and drive Hubert and the other country out of land. 
At this point, players should probably notice that something's wrong with Richard. No, he know... looks so innocent. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a while for anyone else to realise, but players should by this point have realised something's probably wrong with Richard. I feel like it's almost a little too obvious. Like it, it could probably should have been slightly more subtle. Yeah, they probably could have done it a bit more visually rather than just making him turn out to be a complete jackass. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever, they sort of seemingly persuade Richard that they can go and negotiate with Hubert. However, when they arrive, Richard immediately just attacks anyway. Them apparently having not noticed that he was about 15 seconds behind them the entire time with an army. But never mind. Anyway, at this point, sort of Sophie actually manages to regain her memories, sort of fighting off Richard as basically the party decides that they probably can't do the obviously evil things that Richard is trying to do, get them to do. But they so they travel to Hubert's adoptive country to sort of persuade them to keep Hubert as as the governor because he's been threatened with being removed for not getting enough of the magical energy that comes from the land. And they're joined by Malik at this stage, who is the requisite old man, being you know mid thirties. Although I don't think he's as much of an old man as in all the other Charles games. So yeah, so they go yeah, they go to they go to the land, they have an instance with the Rokugong. Which I suppose we could expand on, but it's just a weirdness where they get swallowed by a giant monster and then he sneezes them out and then we will not we will not mention that instance ever again. I think that could be construed as the padding area <laughs> part of the game, that one. Uh definitely. Yeah. But after this bit, you get to them a bit more about how the world works and that each of the nation has something called Valkanes, which is sort of a massive crystal that provides energy called Elif. Was it Elif? Oh. It might be Elif. But that's sort of basically the life energy. So they sort of work a bit like, I guess, crystals in Final Fantasy. Without them, then everything dies. So, but basically Pascal succeeds in fixing... Strata's Falconers, however, five seconds after she does that, Richard suddenly appears and then drains it for drains all the energy from it. You, I think something might be wrong with Richard. Quite possibly. Yeah. But apparently immediately before he went that he did the same in his home nation of Windor, so basically they figure out that his next target is probably not Russia. Sorry, Fendel. So basically the party the party goes to not Russia and with Hubert actually joining the party fully now. Of course, because we're only about halfway through the game at this point, they don't succeed in stopping Richard from training that one's that one's Valkanes, so we have to figure out where to go next. At this point, they basically get information from Pascal's tribe that he's probably heading towards the planet's core, which is called the Star of some reason, but they also learn about someone called Lambda, who basically tried to do exactly what Richard is currently doing many years ago. So they get to the Stalia, but basically Richard meets really injured Sophie and basically steals off the entrance so they can't get into it. So here's where we get to learn more about the world, because the parties can't heal Sophie with normal means, but Pascal sort of points out that as Sophie isn't actually human and they wanted to travel to where she was created because she's sort of an artificial being. Where she was created is a place called Fodra, which is actually the planet that Ifinia orbits because Ifinia is the moon. Which obviously you don't you don't know about that because obviously the atmosphere is conveniently hiding that fact. You know. 
there's a reasonable sort of failure. So they get to Frodo by finding a shuttle, which is, you know, the ancient artifact of the world. But they discover that Frodo is basically a desolate wasteland now. But at Frodo, they find a woman called Emma Rhodes who's been sleeping in the pod for a thousand years, and she explains that Sophie is an artificial human and malfunctioning. And they learn that Sophie is basically a, a engineer to actually fight against Lambda, who is the same monster that attacked them seven years ago and is possessing Richard. So they, they do some stuff on the side, which basically insists of getting upgrades to the shuttle so they can get past the ceiling that Richard made. So that, And then they go and defeat Richard, and they manage to defeat Richard. But then they get betrayed by Emma Rose, who plans to absorb Lambda so she can restore Fodra. Lambda basically says no and then immediately explodes Emerald, which is quite amusing. And then Lambda reunites with Richard again because apparently he was quite good at uh, possessing Richard, so, you know, you do what you know. And then, yeah, at this point, Emerald actually gets some backstory despite being dead, which is quite amusing as well because she has history with Lambda. When he first, when he first appeared, she was doing loads of experiments on him and basically cause Lambda to be evil. So it's all her fault. Finally, in the end, they do catch up with Lambda Richard and defeat him. Since he can't be sort of killed by normal means, Sophie sort of plans to do her purpose and sacrifice herself to kill him. But instead, Asbel decides to be do something really weird and absorb Lambda himself and just show use himself to show that humanity is not worth destroying completely. And then the game ends. So huzzah. Is he really the best example to be showing that humanity shouldn't be destroyed? Uh, well, he's an idiot, but he's a nice idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So, well, yeah, well, Land of Thieves, you just knew jackass idiots. So it's an upgrade, at least. So, yeah, so that's the, main, that's the main game of Tales of Graces, anyway. What Graces F has is an extra sort of 15 to 20 hour story called Lineage and Legacies which also has the added bonus of a playable and not crazy Richard as well. But in this, you basically have a monster epidemic that surfaces, and you learn out that it's been basically because Foja's core has reactivated and is resuming its previous work of eradicating humanity, which is why it was sort of a desolate wasteland at the end of the game, because humanity caused stuff to happen. But there's a load of soldiers called Little Queens, they... Sort of go out and start trying to kill everyone on Ephinia. So you sort of fight, you fight back against them. You end up in Frodo's core, and then Lambda, who is now a good guy, sort of fuses with the core to persuade it. All of this is learned in the six months it has had with Asbel. So apparently, it was a good idea. Mm. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the overall plot of the Ninja Nexus. A lot of it is just tying up. Tying up loose ends that left unguarded, uh, sort of unanswered at the end of the main game, and you actually get a bit of. I think showing Asbel's relationship actually gets a bit of time in the spotlight as well, which was something that was sort of abandoned halfway through the game when they made up after Sherry was pissed off in leaving him. But yeah, I think it was lots overall of, lots a, of plot. I think it was overall an entertaining plot. Maybe not the most coherent, but. I yeah, I remember being kind of lost by the plot when I played this, and I didn't know about the epilogue thing at the end, and it sounds like I probably should have played through that, because 
you know, I've never really done epilogues and tales games before just because, you know, they're all, well, to me anyway, they're all skits and don't really add anything. But it sounds like this one was kind of important. Yeah, it adds quite a lot, a bit more to the backstory of the world and how everything about Foja and stuff like that. So it's it's probably it's worth checking out. It's yeah, as I said, the main issue with the plot is sort of how it veers off and becomes a bit weird with all the sci-fi stuff about Foja halfway through. So, but it's still really enjoyable. It's a traditional Tales thing to do stuff like that with completely changing what the game's actually about. Okay, well, 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 let's talk about the combat. What's what's new with this combat system? Since they each Tales of, game seems to do something to the uh, formula. They uh, got rid of the TP system in this one. <sighs> yep. Ye- so, yes. Yeah, it's where they... It's got these... It's one of the linear motion battle systems, so it's mostly on 2D planes, but you sort of swap what the 2D plane you're on is an awful lot of the time by dodging so you just dodge in different directions keep doing that but yeah it was tp is basically placed by um cc in this game which is a sort of combo counter and how many attacks you can do so you sort of have cc of six i mean you do moves that use up up to six cc and then you sort of have to guard or block or dodge for a bit until you get your cc back and then you go on the attack again so it's nice it's nice back and forth yeah combat system it's an evolution of the battle system used in all the Tales games that were never localized, pretty much. Which is why it was so jarring to me to play this to play this one and basically get my bass handed to me the first couple of times because I would just would go in with both both guns blazing, not realizing I had to dodge to um, recharge my CC, and I always just get in trouble because of it. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I was lucky in that I had a. Uh, I'd played um, Hearts, obviously, and I think at this point I had played a bit of Destiny Remake, so I at least had some kind of idea of what to expect. But yeah, I can see why a lot of people uh, were probably a little lost when they picked this one up. Yeah, because I think the last one I had played before this one was Abyss on the PS2. And I'm trying to think what came out in the U.S. in between this... Um, pro- probably Vesperia. But... Yeah, Vesperia would be the Vesperia, yeah. one. Which was, yeah, that's been similar to Abyss and Symphonia. Yeah. That it's got the TP bar and it's all about using it. Well, this is again, it's one that was a bit jarring initially, but in hindsight, is probably one of the best Tales battle systems there is. I would, I would definitely agree with it's, that. Yeah, a lot of the stuff, the dodging is really responsive. It's Fun to do. You get it encourages you to sort of time your dodges well because you get you get bonus CC for well timed dodges and stuff stuff like that. So it's really it felt like it requires you to remember a lot because a lot of enemies have like specific weaknesses, so you have to kind of remember you know which moves do that kind of damage and stuff like that. So there's there's a lot of complexity to it. Yeah, cause you got the two different types of arts there's like the a arts which are the regular attack combos and there's b arts which are i guess the more traditional tail style arts i think it's yeah i think exilia and stuff built or built more on this one than the other games don't they at least in in terms of the a arts and b arts stuff 
Okay. And did did y'all did were these awesome changes? Did they did they make the solid combat system feel more fun or? Um, I think so because it meant that you didn't necessarily have to hoard gels and stuff to keep your TP up, so that you could, you know, save all of it for bosses. Yeah, it was a lot more rewarding when you actually managed to get a good combo going in, because that was mostly down to your ability rather than just being powered and having the, the skills available. So, as I said, it was a bit more jarring because we didn't have the more gradual evolution of the games in between, but in the end, it really works It works really well. Would you say it's it was? Definitely, definitely the strongest part of the game, I think. Was it Was it more fun than Tales of Hearts? <laughs> I mean, we all know what apps thinks, but I, I was talking to the other people who were talking up the combat system a little bit. Oh, yeah. I, I thought it was. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a big upgrade. Did, did, so does uh, does this iteration bring different support systems as far as, you know, cooking or anything else? Um, yeah. Leveling up, skilling up. I, I know that Tales games can sometimes have some pretty complicated under-the-hood systems for making your characters uh, stronger. Yeah, there's a few big changes. I think the biggest one is the title system in Graces, which is different as Graces uses that as the main means of like getting arts, new skills, and general stat boosts. Usually, I think in previous games, the titles affected stuff like general stat growth, and that's about it, and there's not been as many titles. Well, in Graces, if Every character has basically over a hundred titles that you can find, and you get each title as you use it. You get more mastery in the title. Each title has five levels, and you get bonus of each level. And every bonus you get is persistent, so you, you keep getting stronger the more you level up titles. So the title, yeah. the, the title system was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. It really encouraged uh, exploration and stuff. <laughs> Definitely filled into my OCD of wanting to complete all of them too. Yeah, in case you keep swapping between titles, things like that, and you it's got a handy setting as well, so if you do fully master title it automatically swaps to a new one for you so you don't waste the points that you get through like battle and side quests like the request the quest side quest where you basically hunt items and just give provide them into a menu and then you get bonus SP and stuff like that. You've also got a thing called the ELF mixture, which is used for cooking. So where all sort of automatically do cooking like an additional game, but it will also you can also use it to generate items. So you, if you sort of put something like an apple gel in there, it will give you like a percentage chance, and then every minute that percent there'll be a chance of the items in there being generated. So you can use it to either restock supplies or just try and get rare items that you'll need to enhance equipment, stuff like that. Enhanced equipment's also got a fairly neat system called dualizing, where you basically combine two items together and you can use that to create new items or new equipment or upgrade equipment and things like that. So Cool. So pretty deep, some, some some pretty deep stuff. Did we mention that this game didn't include a world map? Not yet. So, no, so yeah, instead of instead of a world map you sort of get zones between each area it's sort of a, it's a load of interconnected areas basically isn't it yeah no but i quite like that because it was it's sort of the last time the series uses those traditional tales type areas where you've got a camera 
in a set place. Yeah. After this, it goes to the 3D rotatable 3D rotatable camera, and there's I think the zones in the more recent Tales games have become a lot less interesting to explore because of that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. They're now, yeah, they're now just sort of wide open areas a lot of the time. There's a few more cases than recent ones where they're less like, like Yeah, I that. feel like... Just I feel like, fun to explore. Or... Yeah, I feel like Grace has had a lot of cool areas to wander around and just well-designed, nice nice graphics pretty much yeah, all around. It, it uses the camera quite nicely as well in all those yeah. areas because it will zoom locations to just highlight interesting areas in the background or just reveal them in yeah. neat ways, so... And for a game that was originally on the Wii, I feel like you could barely notice because it just, as a PS3 game, it just looks really nice. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff into it, but they did put a lot of effort into the PS3 version, obviously, with the new story and everything like that, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the screenshots look pretty. How's the, how's the music and vocalization and sound? Oh, the music is beautiful. Yeah, it is. Well, sort of the Hearts Bar one was probably fairly weak for Sakuraba's work. This one's him at his strongest again. It does have some of the tracks which are, I'm pretty sure, copied between Taylor's games, but I can forgive them because they're the nice ones. Um, The voice acting, I did feel, was kind of stilted. But I loved it. It it varies. You've got the traditional problem in the first seven hours of people doing kids' voices, which can be... Yeah, that's true. Grating, but you've got other things. You've got Pascal, who is brilliant. Oh, yeah. I noticed that... Sorry, I noticed that the quirky female character in most Tales games are just really awesome. Like, between Pascal and the chick from Vesperia and uh, Mogilu from Berseria, who's my new favorite character ever. Yeah, Pascal's great, but it sort of helps with how other characters react to her at the same time. Mm-hmm. Especially, especially Hubert trying to clear, clearly being smitten with her, but having no idea how to convey that to a way in a way that Pascal actually understands. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like sounds like even Mr. Epps is a little more favorable on this one. This is my favorite Tales game, Phil. Really? Yeah. Oh, not Basaria. I haven't played it. Oh, okay. You didn't play because it then it's, it'll become your favorite. Totally, we'll to- totally. Um, so I think this might also be the first game where they fully voiced all of the skits. I think you're right. So and that's that certainly helps because previous Tales games you just didn't have the skits, so you were just read, reading all the text and having the voice definitely helps with the skits. Yeah, it's not it's not the same with just text. No, it really isn't. Because and a lot of those skits have some of the best dialogue in, in Tales games too, so it's much better having it voiced. And I'm I'm glad that some people like this game because supposedly if this game didn't do well in the U.S., we weren't going to get any more Tales games. <laughs> hmm. Well, um, I'm afraid that you guys are going to need to find about 30 more minutes of content to talk about this game some more because. You just painted a picture. This game is so much better than Tales of Hearts, but we spent an hour talking about that bland game, and you're only up to 30 minutes, so... Sometimes it's better to be hateful about a game than it is to be positive. I I mean, it's one of those things where you just kind of got to play it yourself. It's really hard to understand. 
you know, articulate what was so great about it. Now, uh, you can find Tales of Graces F for your PlayStation 3 on uh, on disc for $26. Uh, you can actually, there is uh, on Amazon right now, the Tales of Graces F with Tales of Symphonia Chronicles, which includes the second Tales of Symphonia game, or whatever the hell it was, for $35. So you're getting three, I guess, Tales of games there for 35 bucks. so for a few bucks more. If you can find it, though, because it's only got like one copy left. Um and then what about I'm, eBay? Yeah, I know, right? I'm sure you can find some more on eBay for uh, for the not so low price of whatever. But uh, let's see here. If you wanted to buy good old Tales of Graces F from this store, well, the the DLC will actually cost you more than the game. First, we we'll have to put that out there. the The game is also thirty five thirty five dollars on the store. So the Amazon copy, the hard copy, is actually a bit uh, a bit cheaper. And on top of that, generally speaking, PlayStation Three games don't suck up a crap ton of hard drive space. Unlike the PlayStation 4, where it really doesn't matter if you buy the disc or you buy it off the network, because either way, it's going to install to your hard drive and take up what little space you have. So, anywho, I would recommend the disc version. You save some space, and you pay only you pay like eight dollars less. Yay! There's a few other things in games as well. I mean, we've mentioned the bonuses from Hearts R, and that sort of also appears in Graces F. So you'll get. a challenge at the start of every battle such as like don't heat don't defeat two enemies in one with one attack and you'll get various boosts at the end of battle like that so you'll either get some healing you'll get bonus money bonus experience stuff like that and you you can chain those as well so if you do if you succeed in one challenge and the next battle the next battle will give you another challenge which is slightly harder but you'll get a boosted bonus well, in Hearts R's arena, there are a couple of Graces characters, so I'm given to understand. I didn't recognize them, who show up as special match. and Oh, yeah, that always happens. <laughs> there's something... Who shows up in the special match of Graces? Mm, would it be? I think it's Amber from Hearts R, and then one from Tales of Innocence, and then I think one from Tales of Destiny 2. Not not Tales of Eternia, actual Tales of Destiny 2. Yeah, I'm not sure, because I, I, really, I don't think I ever got to the battle, because it's in the arena area, which is obviously optional. So I, I watched a cutscene before the show and caught that, uh, and I was like, oh, nothing but the hard, most hardcore of hardcore Tales fans would have gotten this. Yeah, well, that's what it's for, really, isn't it? <laughs> so, 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 so did you get it, Mr. Apps? Or are you not the most hardcore of hardcore Tales fan? I'm not the most hardcore of hardcore of Tales fan. I wonder if Adrian did. I don't know. Uh, okay, it, Tales of Innocence. Anything to say on that one? <sighs> that bad, huh? <laughs> nope, it's just boring. Uh. <laughs> well, okay, I guess we need to talk about Tales of Fantasia on iOS. Uh, I got bad news for you. Not feeling well, all of a sudden. <laughs> Hey, I actually liked the GBA version of Fantasia. <laughs> I, I did too, but then again, I didn't know what I was missing. But right, that's that's the still. version I played. But I can tell that it was definitely not a game meant for a touchscreen. So I'm sure that was definitely changed to make it an iPhone, an iOS compatible interface. Right, right. <laughs> The fact that the game is still available for download shows is it? how well... Can't you not play it anymore? No, they took it off the store. 
They did take it off the store. Okay. It's gone. Wasn't it free but supported by microtransactions for things like being able to get through the game without lots of balloons popping up telling you to buy things? Or am I misremembering? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sounds like I spared myself by having an Android. Well, did you download it, Mr. Apps? I did because, you know, I try and play all the Tales games for some for some reason. Or I, I did anyway. Obviously I haven't played the two most recent ones really. Uh but yeah, it was quite awful. Okay. So how much worse than the GBA version was? Um considering that the GBA version was in fact playable, I can assert that. Uh well, I didn't like the GBA version really, but I still have my copying and I'll probably still give it another try someday. Um, the iPhone version made me want to throw my phone into the ocean and then pour a bunch of oil into the ocean and set it on fire. So, so not That's just it. killing your phone, but everything in the surrounding area. Yes, exactly. That's a visceral reaction. <laughs> aren't, you, bad. aren't you tickled pink that Bandai Namco thought so highly of its customer base as to release that? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I, yeah. Ugh. I don't know what happened there. I know they've sometime recently they've released some sort of iOS game that's supposed to be better. So maybe that maybe that game is an apology for this one. I don't know. No, that would require the corporation to acknowledge it did something wrong, and corporations never do that unless forced. It's true. I brought up the iOS Fantasia because. I can tell you that I played Tales of Abyss on 3DS, but aside from remembering that it seemed to end, it was completely ending, and then it began again for another 15 hours or so, I can't really remember much about it. I bought that version, like, when I got, the year I got my 3DS, um, it was the year that the XL came out, and went to GameStop and picked up that and Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop, Drop Distance and I was like, which one am I going to play first? Oh, I'll play Dream Drop Distance first and then never touched Abyss 3D and it's like currently in my game case, like they're ready to be started up and one of these days I'm going to start it up but I'll probably be in a rest home by then. Have you played Abyss? Have yeah, you, I played play the original? Okay, good. I played on the PS2. Okay, good. And And I remember enjoying it quite well. Yeah, I, also, I remember enjoying it on 3DS, but I can't remember any specifics other than, hey, everything, the climax is here, everything seems to be ending, this is a good climax, this is a good starting point. Wait, it's starting again! What the hell? Oh, we're, we've, we've just rebooted the plot, and it's going to keep going! Why? I don't know! That is the only thing I can coherently remember from it, except vague, I'm fighting on top of a... Uh, a spirally thing that goes into the sky. <laughs> See that that was very helpful. Yeah, I remember that game feeling like it should have basically doing Nino Kuni syndrome, where it felt like it had an ending, and it just went on and on and on. Yeah, I I love that game. It's what got me in the series. But yeah, that's my. That, honestly, that's my opinion of a lot of games in the series. They just have way too much padding when there was a logical point for the game to have ended hours ago. And, yeah, Abyss it's is really of, bad about that. Yeah, It's a bit of a tales in my that it likes to set up expectations that it's doing something and then subverting them. The other side of being the subversion 
sort of necessitates that it has to do more stuff. Yeah. Just to get to pay off. The main thing that Abyss brings, from my point of view, is that it means Europe actually got the game on the 3DS release because we didn't get the PS2 release. You didn't get that in Europe? Nope. Oh my god. And the stupid 3DS is region locked. Did, was it released for you at least? Yeah, we, we got we got the 3DS version, so that was okay. the main upshot of us getting the 3DS version was that we finally got the game. We also got it first, so, well, before North America, but... That was, the, that was almost the start of a trend. It seems to have happened a few more times since then. Uh, the first one? It might have been the first one. But, but no, no, I, I think, think we got Xenoblade before that point. <laughs> I, I think you've earned it with all of the horrible delays that Fever Power releases. Yeah. Well, it's better with the shiny digital future. There are arbitrary region locks between areas for some reason. Dar arbitrary doohickey locks. But hey, at least with the Switch, we ain't got to worry about that anymore. Yay, Switch. Um, cool. Well, anything else before we head on? I'm good. Um, play Graces. It's awesome. Play Graces. All right. Fair enough. Well, we're going to take a teeny tiny break and we'll be right back. comments and we had a lot of comments from our last episode rpg backtrack episode 181 xenomorphing and um a lot of xenoblade fans out there that jumped on the uh the forums on this one it's a popular game it's a popular game and probably top of mind right now because of the sequel yeah sequel sequels doing looks like it's doing pretty good Though I'm not quite, uh, I would hope so. Not quite sure it's uh, living up to the expectations that uh, that was set by its originator. If you are to believe some of the reviews that are out there, but some people don't, are having a lot of fun with it. Don't believe them. Read don't. our review. Read our review. Head on over to rpgamer.com where we actually play our games all the way through. <laughs> throwing our opinion up on the internet. So. Yeah, and and had he not had to go to sleep, given that he is in a time zone very difficult to stay awake with us alongside, Alex Fuller might just have contributed to that since he wrote our review of Xenoblade Two. 
Yeah, you might want to go ahead and check that. It's actually pretty easy to find as we list all the recent reviews on the right-hand side. And so that one's you know right there uh, called Attacking on Titans, his Xenoblade Chronicles <laughs> 2 review, where he gave it an exceptional score. Unless you're listening to this podcast in the future when we've redesigned or released the site redesign, which yeah. means it might not be there. It might not be there anymore. <laughs> um. No, no. In fact, that's a that, you know we have a yeah we have a re- site redesign coming up. I'm very excited because I was talking with our editor in chief about a little bit a little bit more uh, retro features coming up there for about older games and things like that, more articles and and the such. Um, so, like for example, we were discussing. I had done a review uh, 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 my on my own personal blog. I had kind of blogged my experiences of going through the first six. Um, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Quest. I had to think about that for a second there. That was the pumpkin beer. Uh, and and the, the universe seems to be telling you that Dragon Quest Seven is not going to be completed by you. No, it's coming. It's It came in the mail. Very excited. I've got it back. It's back in my hands. And once Monster Hunter World comes out, it will go back into my DS and I will start making progress on it again. Until then, Monster Hunter Generations and 4 are in my DS because I just... I want to kill monsters and carve them into little bits and pieces to turn them into more armor and weapons. To then, to then go kill so bigger go monsters. Kill bigger monsters. Into yeah, and to cut them into pieces. And it just doesn't end. Apps. And I can't stop. I, 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 I was looking for Monster Hunter Anonymous or something to report myself to because it's, it's sick. It's a disease. Uh, I mean, I'm the wrong person to ask about that since I have... Monster Hunter Double Cross on my Switch. So. Oh wow, yeah, that's hardcore. Can't really help you. Yeah, no, no. and you well, I mean, people are trying to get me into your filth. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's, I mean Phil, it's it's just an expansion to Generations, so it's not like you even need a translation or anything if you've played that game. So yeah, oh boy, um, and region free, region free, region free, Phil. region free on the Switch. Yeah, that's. For those of you who don't know, Double Cross, it, it, they didn't do a localization, but on your Switch, that is region-free. You can actually, with a few minor steps, you can have that bad boy uh, on yeah, your I'll, Switch. I'll let you in on a secret. I bought a download code for it from Amazon Japan using my American credit card without any issues. Mm. And you know, Shirley and I are big fans of, of, big fans of Play Asia because she has a Vita that we have tied into a Japanese PlayStation account. So I go to Play Asia and buy the uh, the gift cards or whatever the hell they're called, the PlayStation Network okay. cards. Yeah, they're, they're great too. Yeah, to to reload her account when she wants to buy new games. So yeah, like kind of uh, things that us uh, importers do. Well, for her though, she actually understands the language. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I I will say I'm gonna give try to give that beta that's gonna be coming out soon a chance just to see. Yeah, just, um, just just a little I, taste. Just do it. Just take a little taste. Because I, I have to admit that Palico trailer did intrigue me. Cause, yeah. Man, those kitties are so cute. Yeah, yeah. It, they're so cute that I actually, if you're on my Twitter or anything like that, you might have noticed I've changed, I've changed my icon. <laughs> and that's the other thing that's been intriguing me is that icon. That cute Siamese face has just been staring at me on Twitter and... It wants you to come play in the litter box, I mean the us. sandbox. One, one of us. It's <laughs> uh, like I want to make a little white kitty palico, like my white and orange kitty Lita, only I imagine that palicos won't have the option to have polydactyl. 
because my white kitty has um, seven toes on each foot. Mm, that, that, so. Yeah, that might be a Aww. little... It's pretty but customizable, are, but, you know. But they are cute and hilarious. In fact, in Monster Hunter 4, my cat is dressed up as Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and let me tell you, those were not easy to acquire either. I, I mean, they're just so hilarious as playing uh, Monster Hunter or whatever and suddenly my cats I don't know how they did it but they transformed or built up a tank or something and they start attacking the monster with a cute kitty tank and uh, while you know pulling aggro while I'm sitting there shooting it from behind it was great um, and now apparently in, in generations I can uh, I just need one more one more item and I can build the switch uh, is it the switch uh, the charge blade um, that uh, that has a kitty face for a shield so that's a must-have. I just need a piece of lava rock or volcano stone or whatever the hell it's called, and that that kitty shield will be mine. And 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 dragons will shudder in fear when they see there's a kitty shield that I'm holding in front of me. So um, I'm excited about that. Anywho's uh, comments, uh, comments, Xenoblade comments. Um, uh, boy, oh boy, oh boy, where do we start here? Uh, With Artie Party saying. I don't understand why they don't just make games in both Japanese and English in the first place, since most RPGs have to endure sometimes long localization processes. Does that side mean that Wheels has an opinion on this? I think yeah. the subject could actually spawn almost yeah. all of a Q&A question. Q&A, cause there you go. I think that's a Q&A quest question right there. We're not even going to talk about it here. Because we're gonna let we're gonna let Wheels answer that on his podcast, which you can hear. And by the way, if you want to complain, we mentioned earlier. I mentioned oh, earlier God. that I was getting a lot of background noise between the cat falling off my desk, and uh, I kept having like Skype and all kinds of weird sounds that I'm not going to be able to edit out. If you want to complain about that, please make sure you write that email to askwheels at rpgamer.com. He'd love to hear uh, about your quality issue complaints at the podcast. That's what he lives for. Um, but questions like that should absolutely go straight to him because that's way too deep for RPG backtrack. Um, I mean, it's not even that deep because it's deep, folks. <laughs> it's not that easy. No, it's totally uh, easy. Yeah, I, I'm hearing, I'm hearing uh, uh, Anna and Anna internally screaming in my head because she's the one of us that works for a localization company that hears that crap on a daily basis on social media, and she should just write an AMA about why companies can't just at the drop of... I mean, Nintendo can do it with Pokemon games, but that's Nintendo and they have Pokemon money and they know that if they release a Pokemon game worldwide, they're going to make bank. A company like Monolith Soft, not so much. Right. You have to... You know, it's all about it's all about business at the end of the day and it takes it takes more money Is than you could... Is it economically feasible yeah. to triple quadruple your staff so that you can efficiently coordinate with the japanese studio so that everyone has the same toolkits to be working with them all the time so that you know you're not somewhat one side or another isn't out of date suddenly and then everything is screwed up is that economically feasible for most companies no no let's not even talk about the voice acting (laughs) oh you've changed a bunch of the script in the middle of development that we already recorded voice acting for wonderful do you have the new script? Oh, you don't yet. That's even better. 
Okay, these people that are complaining about that clearly didn't live in the dark ages of the 90s where it was a crapshoot whether or not we was going to get stuff in the West. And when we did get stuff in the West, we got you Spoonie Bard and the truck have started to move. To be fair, the truck have started to move is from the 80s. I know, but still... what, wait, are you trying to tell me that the Breath of Fire 2 translation wasn't all it could have been? Yeah, <laughs> ah. uh, yeah. Capcom USA might in fact not be the best studio for localizing lengthy scripts? <laughs> uh, and, and... You, you kids don't know how good you have it with companies like 8-4 that can take on stuff like this. You, you I mean, just don't. We got an effing worldwide release of Persona 5. Persona! And did all of you go out and buy a copy? No, you didn't. You're part of the problem. No, just... <laughs> well, actually, they probably did film because that game sold really well. I know. Good, good, good job, guys. Good job on that one. But really, Monster Hunter... How many of you bought Monster Hunter Generations? No, you didn't. You're part of the reason we didn't do Double Cross. So, it's okay. Generations isn't that good. <clears throat> Why are Generations? Well, people, Am I kidding? People, He's cute. What, the, what are Capcom's big franchises now? Monster Hunter and Street Fighter. That's pretty much it, right? Uh, uh, yeah. And Resident uh, Evil. Resident Evil's doing good, yeah. Resident Evil. Okay. I thought it was on a downward trend. After it, it, it got it came back up with seven. It it, it kind okay. of yeah turned it back around. Still, the Capcom of old had more than three oh, yeah. franchises. They're trying to get Mega Man. I mean, I, they had a really cool little thing going with Mega Man, a little video that was like, "Oh, this could be good," but we'll see how well it actually does. Hey, it's still probably going to be better than Mighty Number no. Nine. Oh I, yeah, well I certainly I hope mean, so. Well. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's not shooting the bar very high, but and this and this is coming from someone that liked Mighty Number no. Nine. <laughs> so, um, anywho, uh, so so yeah, okay, so somehow this is now turned into Q and A quest. Anywho, um, but uh, <laughs> oh great, he's taken over. Um, uh, let's see here. There was a little bit of a back and forth about that. I think we we kind of just already did that. <laughs> Uh, I think we we pretty much have got that out of the table. Uh, boy, I contributed the fact that we had to beg for pretty much the second or so best game of last gen is sad. I I believe he's referring to Operation Rainfall and the lack of an immediate localization uh, yeah. for Snowblade. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, just playing devil, devil's advocate here, the JRPGs weren't the Wii's bread and brother, butter. It was family games. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, anything that wasn't like, yeah, like family games or anything like that was was not doing well on uh, on the Wii. So I mean, just think not, about not just... even all that wonderful shovelware with motion with the Wii remote jury rigged in. I mean, I consider yeah, no, I consider myself a pretty avid RP gamer, and uh, and 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 I wasn't rushing out to buy a Wii. I w- rushed out to buy a PlayStation because it had a number of good RPGs coming out of it. But the Wii, that didn't really super interest me. 
Um, I never even bought one with my own money. I ended up um, inheriting my family's one that they just stopped playing altogether, and it, it was just kind of sitting in a corner one day, and I was like, hey, do you guys ever play that anymore? No? Can I bring it home with me? Sure. And I use it to set it up in the bedroom to play the few Wii games that I did have and ended up soft modding it so that I could, you know, play fan translation of Super Nintendo stuff. Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, there were a lot of attempts to make different kinds of games on there, but unless it was, like, something Nintendo, like, um... Smash you know, Brothers or Smash Mario Brothers Kart. Smash Brothers there, Mario Kart, yeah. Unless it was Mario one of those... Galaxy. Yeah, it just it did not do well. No, and think about it. I mean, the Wii was also a little bit underpowered, so even if you had a game come out on that had already come on a PlayStation, and then they brought a port or something to the Wii, why would you buy it? You know, it's just... Yeah. You know, if it came out on because both. Because you wanted to flail with the Wii mode. Oh, uh, yeah, because that was super fun. I think hey. I did do the collective groan thing when they were uh, talking about Skyward Sword, and they're like, you're going to be able to swing your sword with your Wii mode. I'm like, oh, I want to hey. be lazy. That being said, pen, the motion controls in Pandora's Tower was really fun. I had a lot of fun with the motion controls in that. Yeah, I'm they, not yeah. trying to say that motion controls in general are a bad thing. I'm saying that motion controls shoehorned into games that didn't have them on the ground floor going up might not work very well. Yeah, I think there were, there were a ton of games that did motion controls very well. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't like it. I loved it in uh, Skyward Sword. Um, and Metroid Prime, I thought, used it pretty well. There was a lot of stuff. It's just no one was buying it for the most part. Mm. Fragile fragile Dreams, that was another one where it was good. Yeah. So uh, anyway. I remember, I remember right. Capcom tried an interesting game. It was, uh, what was it? Zack and Wiki or something yeah. like that? Yeah, I remember that. I, I don't think anyone did, bought did that. The Knights, did the Knights Revival on Wii rely on motion controls? I think it did, and they were Probably awful. Probably did, yeah. Okay. So. See, Sega, once upon a time, mostly made good games. I yearn uh, for those days. I don't know if they're ever going to come back. Sega's been in a pretty bad way for a while. Hey, At just least. give just give everything to Christian Whitehead. He'll make things better. <laughs> Sonic Mania. Can we talk about Sonic Mania for a while? I think we did a lot last week. <laughs> oh I, got an, I was on a bit of a Genesis kick. Yeah, did I mention that Shinobi 3 is awesome? Wait, did you mean Sonic Forces? Because that game is rad. Hey, you shut up, that game is rad. <laughs> uh... Shinobi so, 3 and the two Vector Man games those are awesome oh uh, boy yeah so anywho um, I don't know what else Mike was there any was there other comments on the thread not related to a Q&A quest you know episode or, or begging and the process of begging for other games to be released let's see Shaman chimed in that the Wii wasn't exactly known as a platform that you went to for 100-hour games in North America, which is correct. Um, and then, yeah, more more chiming in about what people mostly did on the Wii, at least people who weren't... All of the millions of people who bought Wiis and weren't in the hardcore gaming demographic pretty much stuck with Wii Sports all the time. Well. 
I think the so. TLDR of this is that if you want more RPGs, then you need to buy more RPGs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And... And yeah, in fact, I think we got, we definitely got a lot more of those guys on, it, it feels to me anyways, on like the three, three DS and 3DS. I've got so many good, you know, nice long RPGs and JRPGs on those systems. And also, just just a side tangent, if an RPG comes out digital only, don't whine about not getting a physical release. Because if you don't buy it, they're not going to see that you didn't buy it because of a physical release. They're just going to see that you didn't buy it. Wasn't, it. it wasn't sold. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that I tend to prefer the cartridge versions of games, but there have been numerous instances uh, in the past, and I've mentioned this before on the show, where I have bought the um, the network version of a game that I really want to show support for because I knew that if we didn't show up and buy it, uh, sales volumes matter at the end of the day, right? Dollars matter. And mm-hmm. so if a digital... And in particular, the sales volumes in the first week or so of release, that's when right. the big but, numbers come in. But if, you have, if you're doing something and you want to do it in the first, you're absolutely right. You want to do it fast. And if you want your dollars to really mean the most votes, buy digitally because the developers get more of that money than obviously if you buy a cartridge from Amazon where... It's going through more middle people. Uh, obviously, the store is still getting some cut, you know, the Nintendo store or whatever, but it's not as big as, you know, the other middlemen or whatever when you go through something like Amazon. So, food for uh, thought. This was just top of mind because there was a lot of people whining about the Secret of Mana remake not getting a physical release. Oh, yeah. And they were saying, no, no physical, no sale. And I just wanted to throttle these people through Twitter. And, like, Square's not going to see it like that. Mm-hmm. Certainly not. <laughs> Were there any people whining about the lack of a physical release for Adventures of Mana? Probably. Oh, I'm sure. M- Mana fans can be quite vocal when they want to be. Yeah, and there are a few people on our forums who are disproportionately vocal, it wait, seems wait, like. Wait, wait a minute. This, the, the, I thought there was like a ton of posts on this show, and really, it was just basically wheels hijacking our thread and turning it into Q and A quests. Damn you, applications! Damn you! Uh, I, won't, I won't stand for your your accusations. So it's a good thing I'm sitting. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, the last comment. I'm just gonna go straight to the last comment, which had nothing to do with that whole thread about. <laughs> Wii games and RPGs and translations. Uh, Budai says, Also, I hope to play with Monster Hunter World with all the fans here. I mostly use Hammer. Uh, yeah, we look forward. Uh, I, I tend to prefer, uh, you know, Blades. So you can take the head. I can take the tail. That would be awesome. Um, so, yay. We need to set up, like, a Discord server or something or just Skype it. I'm yeah. JC Servant on Skype. You can look me up and we can we can hunt together, my friend. Um, so, yay. So there you go. Uh, our next show? I don't know. We don't really plan our next show anymore. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Mm, what else is next? Website. Um, yeah, I'm going to try for the Star Tropics to be next, but I make no guarantees at this point. There you go. Uh, right, head on over to 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 rpgamer.com. Uh, we're going to have a really cool site we- uh, redesigned soon. But in the meantime, you want to jump over there and read our latest articles. Uh, we have a review up of Monster Hunter Stories from Pascal uh, Takea. I can never say his name. Uh, anyways, imagine the Monster Hunter game we've been talking about lately. 
meeting Pokemon. There you go, Monster Hunter Stories, and with a decent story to boot. I I championed that game hard on RPG Cast. That was my hidden gem of 2017. Yeah, it's been doing really good. People who really who play it have really been enjoying it, from what I hear. And uh, I mentioned before, I put a couple hours in and really enjoyed that beginning. And then I want to go kill more monsters in four, so I went back to four. No, um, you got to make friends with them. Don't kill them. No, no, we got to kill them all. They were cute, and now they have to die. Y- you monster. Monster, yeah. hunter. monster hunter yeah <laughs> <laughs> um shoot um anyway we got some serious bloodthirst tonight it's all about the bloodthirst yeah, really we also have uh sam marshmallow has uh, uh has an article about backlogging through the year speaking of a more retro focus um if you're like some of us and you have a huge backlog uh and i'm gonna talk about some of that on my little portion here in a bit but you want to go and check that out uh, we have RPG Cast, we have Q and A Quest, we have Atticotical Topical Banner, Podcast Galore, uh, XCOM Two Review, and Fire Emblem Warriors, Golf Story, Battle Chasers, you name it, we got it, and they're one hundred percent legit reviews because again, we actually play the games when being all the way through before we review them, unlike certain other websites. All right, so let's do the roundtable thing. What are y'all working on on the site? What are you playing? What do you want to just talk about? And we'll start off with Miss Relly. Well, I talked about this a little bit on RPG Cast. Um, I got a new graphics tablet for Christmas. And by graphics tablet, I mean a device that lets me draw in Photoshop using a pen. Which is really handy because otherwise you'd just be using a mouse, and that doesn't make drawing very fun when you color and draw mostly digitally. Yeah, it's no and, problem. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. This this particular graphics tablet is one with a screen, so you know most graph most of your entry level graphics tablets are just a pad that you set. You sit in front of you and you draw and you're kind of looking at the monitor while your hand's down on the pad. Whereas this particular one, it's like an actual screen that um, I can draw on one-to-one. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's what I have. I have the beginner dealy, And it does take some time to get used to as you're staring at the screen, but your hand's down over here. It's yeah. definitely a developed skill. <laughs> um, have you ever like seen on behind the scenes at like Pixar or Blizzard how they have those huge ones that like take up a whole desk uh, I can only imagine but I'm, I'm sure they do yeah those ones tend to run about two grand the one that I found on Amazon run ran me about two well ran my husband because he bought it for me about 200 bucks oh nice and it's just like a, th- a little 13 inch screen um it it's it enters into the computer via USB and so you, you like don't need an extra video card input on the back of your thing. And it's been really handy for me so far. If you follow me on Twitter, you've probably been seeing a bunch of my sketches and st- stuff like that. Um I spent my Christmas break wanting to, you know, get through my backlog and finish all these games, and then I end up ended up getting that screen tablet for Christmas and just got into a drawing frenzy trying to get used to um, 
getting the hang of it because when you're used to those other ones that um, aren't screen tablets, it's very hard to program your brain back to having one-to-one controls. Mm-hmm. So I've been drawing a lot, um, and I got Xenoblade 2 for Christmas, so I've been playing that almost nonstop. Um, I've been really enjoying Xenoblade 2. I'm only on chapter three so far. I've I've talked to, I talked about it a lot on um, RPG Cast. It's been a really good game so far, and I can't wait to see more from it. Somebody's moving furniture. What was going on there? I don't know, but it's gone away now. Right. <laughs> Anyways, you were saying. So yeah, I've been playing Xenoblade 2 on my Switch, and I have been having a lot of fun playing that. It's a great game. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I can kind of see what people have been complaining about a little bit with it as far as the map goes. The map has caused me lots of headaches wandering into areas with level 70 mobs that can spot oh, me yeah. from half the map away and one-shot me, but luckily uh, the there isn't that much of a penalty for death in that game, which is I, I am so thankful for, because otherwise the Switch would have been embedded in a wall by now. <laughs> um, I'm on Chapter 3. I just got to that huge city in Chapter 3. Um, not, not the one like inside the Titan, but the one on top of the Titan. Uh, mm. Yeah. Okay. So I just got there. Um, I've been having a lot of. Fun. I've been really having a lot of fun salvaging and then sell, selling the salvaging stuff and then trying to see if I can buy out the stores. And I guess you can't <laughs> buy out the stores yet. Mm-hmm. I think you've got to advance in the story a little bit before you can buy out all the stores, but that's going to be my sub-goal. And then watching videos about how to game the blade draw system, <laughs> which really kind of annoys me that they put gotcha mechanics in a single-player game. That seems unnecessary. Yeah, it kind of does. I mean, granted, it's not that detrimental to the gameplay because I think the default blades that you get are still pretty good anyway. But, you know, you you can't put something like that in there and not expect me to OCD it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, that, that's pretty much all huh? I've been playing at this point. Um, I got a bunch of games for Christmas, but Xenoblade really kind of took over. It's kind of funny. I usually just put a bunch of games on my Amazon list. Just, you know, if you want to get me something, that's fine. And then my mom ended up getting me, like, all seven or eight of them. I was like, Mom, you didn't have to do that. And she was like, I know, but I wouldn't spoil my baby this year. So <laughs> it was very weird, but I'm thankful. Sounds like you're having fun. Yeah, um, one of the games I ended up getting that I haven't tried yet because I'm afraid to was the Bubsy remake. <laughs> Godspeed. I, I play 
the first PUBG. I ranked it because I believed GamePro's review that was very kind to PUBG. And I played it. And I started to wonder, why are these levels so long and boring? And I used passwords. And the later levels were just the same. They're long and boring. And Bubsy sucks because he dies with one freaking hit. But this is new Bubsy. New Bubsy. Um, I, full- I, I have seen some footage. You can tailor it <laughs> so that people, at the, to the amount of vocal quips he will utter, the max is Bubsy. <laughs> yeah, f- full disclosure, I actually legitimately liked the first Bubsy game, but it was one of those things to where I got it for Christmas because I asked for it, and I probably didn't know what I was getting into. But, I mean, to be fair, I think the first Bubsy is a very flawed platformer, but isn't as bad as people make it out to be. I think that it's the stigma of the 3D one on the PlayStation, which is legitimately bad. That's that... a terrifying game. The, the yeah. <laughs> I haven't touched a Bubsy game in 23, 24 years because the first one, I got my fill with that one night rental. Blundering around, using codes, and still finding that I didn't really like the levels at all. And I mean, to be fair, you know, I'm... A 13-year-old child who is obsessed with Sonic the Hedgehog and obsessed with cats. And it's like, oh, here's a Sonic game but has a cat in it. This is going to be amazing. And it's just kind of mediocre. And at the time, I was okay with that. And then I get on the internet and find out that Bubsy is one huge joke. And then wonder what was wrong with me as a child. I I actually drew Bubsy on my Twitter account and posted it and everything but it, it didn't get a whole lot of response because you know it was bubsy but i enjoyed it <laughs> i can't really take that away from you uh let's see i liked the demolition man game on genesis i can't you know, really explain why i barely even knew what the movie was but i thought it was kind of an okay game at the time you know sometimes you get a kid a game when you're a kid and it's not that great, but you still f- find your own enjoyment in it. And... <laughs> you can't really blame yeah. people for hang- ha- hating it, but you enjoyed it for what it was. And <laughs> I just posted my Bubsy art in the Skype see. chat. The Predator 2 game I played as a kid, now that was crap. Oh, yeah. Now, now yeah. I have to make. I think, I think the most crap game I ever played was a weekend that I rented Total Recall on the NES because I was a huge. <laughs> I was a little. Well, I was obsessed with Terminator 2 when I was a little kid. And I wanted to, like. Just I was obsessed with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I wanted to like play and do everything Arnold Schwarzenegger, and saw him on the cover of that at the rental store, and I was like, okay, I it's an Arnold game, I need to play that, and couldn't get past the first or second level because it was so terrible. What was it? I saw the Batman Revenge of the Joker game on Genesis for twenty bucks, and at the time I thought. Whoa, it's a new game for 20 bucks. Uh, you know, I was a stupid kid. I picked <laughs> it up. I 
started playing it. I managed to puzzle my way through the first few levels, which, as if you look at any footage, you'll go, those gargoyles really do suck. And eventually I got to the point where I realized I'm not having fun. Why am I still doing this? The prospect of actually... I don't remember what else I was doing at that point, but probably just playing Sonic 3 again was far more appealing than playing that game. And he's, and I, I've never looked back. I don't want to play it ever again. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only kid that fell into a trap of, oh, hey, a brand new game for 20 bucks. Surely this is a quality product. Because I remember doing that with Monkey Hero on the PS1. I did not do that with any PS1 games. So I, but yeah, then I was, you knew better? No, at the PS1 era, I pretty much didn't buy any new games. I found a couple of cheap Genesis ones, but mostly I actually got straight A's in my junior year because I didn't buy any new games and I buckled down and studied. And then I forgot all about that and started buying games again and that never happened again. Yeah, I... I had my job at the radio station when I was a teenager and I made like 50 bucks a paycheck and usually that 50 bucks went right to GameStop. Well, back then it was EB Games. Yeah, it was... Actually, I think I went to KB Toys a lot. That's where I found Vector Man, which really was worth 20 bucks because that was a good game. Vector Man is a high-quality game. I'll never forget. Truth. I'll never forget passing up Fantasy Star Four to Toys R Us for twenty bucks and being like, "No, I don't need that." No, no. Then well, I ended up paying that much for a cart copy, and now I'm glad just to have the cart. Yeah. Uh, oh, Sega Genesis! I loved you so much. I also found a copy of Zero Tolerance for the Genesis at that KB Toys, and uh, you know how you know how much fun it is to play a first-person shooter on the Genesis. I played that game on the Sega Channel. That was awful. I stuck with it for several hours until I just gave up and said, "Why am I still bothering this?" And that's all I remember about Zero Tolerance. I wandered around with a super compressed view because that's what we got all the time with first-person games on consoles. Then they couldn't handle having the full screen. They had to compress it and give you a whole bunch of crap for your HUD all over the place. There's a very interesting video on YouTube from a programmer that worked on Mickey Mania and Sonic Blast and the Toy Story Genesis game that talks about how they managed to get first-person effects on uh, 16-bit games. Which it's, it's really a fascinating listen. I'll have to find the YouTube channel and say it on air while we're talking. But it's amazing what programmers could do with those little cartridges. You know what, Sonic 3D Blast, I played through the whole thing on Genesis and Saturn. I don't know exactly why, because in retrospect, it really isn't a good game. But nah. I must have found something. And it does have nice music. 
Um, the YouTube the YouTube channel is called Game Hut. That sounds familiar. Yeah, really fascinating stuff about programming, uh, coding coding secrets on the Genesis. The guy goes into some pretty neat little programming tricks and talks about the kind of memory they had to work with and all kinds of secrets that they had to get that memory down to nothing so that they could pack as much graphics as they could. Um, as an adult, I love finding out stuff like that. Sometimes... Sometimes the limitations programmers faced really inspired them to be creative. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even though sometimes the graphics looked like crap, you know, you got to give them the effort, e for effort, for at least trying to make it look halfway decent. Definitely. Uh, how did we get onto this? Bubsy. Um, Bubsy. Bubsy. I can't come up with anything really positive to say about Bubsy because even his catchphrase. What, what could possibly go wrong is ringing around in my head right now. Thank you so much. It's going to be with me as I sleep. Arg! What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. Well, if... That stupid first level tune is in my brain. I'm not gonna get it out no matter what. Okay. Well, eventually, when I finish, or when I am bored one evening and start to play that, you all, I'll scream about it on the podcast, and then you all can laugh at me and be like, (laughs) "See, I told you that game sucked." And I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I bought it." Maybe it'll be good. What I've seen is that it's not terrible and it's not good. It's just bland and mediocre and forgettable. Yeah, that's all that I've heard too, but and, uh, at least I didn't pay for it. I got it for Christmas, but I had it on my Christmas list as just a joke. I didn't well, think anybody would Well, obviously doesn't know when to take you seriously. <laughs> no, I well, that's the thing. I kind of legitimately wanted it at some point because I liked the other games when I was a kid. <laughs> well, you got it. And I thought that it was going to be halfway decent because it was the, the same developers that did Gianna Sisters. Oh, is it? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. That was a halfway decent game. Yeah. Had an amazing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Well, see how it is. I'll report back, and you all get to laugh. Hmm, there you go. Hey, how about you, Mr. Applications? What's new with you? Uh, well, I've been playing a lot of stuff on the Switch. Um, obviously, lots of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but I just finally finished uh, Mario and Rabbids Battle Kingdom, which was fantastic. I uh, highly recommend that to anyone with a Switch. Uh, but I've also been playing some platformers on there. Uh, specifically, The End is Nigh, which is a super hard like Super Meat Boy style platformer, and also Ukulele, which is kind of like Banjo-Kazooie, and having fun with both. So uh, lots to do on the Switch. Oh, and I also 
I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not. I finally finished Horizon Zero Dawn. Yay! Well, the 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 original game or the expansion? No, the original game. Okay, cool, cool. And yeah, that was that. Uh, I still think it's the middle parts of it are a little too slow to my taste. But man, does it pick up near the end, mm-hmm. especially the final sequence of battles. So yeah, that is that that is a high quality game. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really do a lot of the side quests because I felt like it was already more than enough. Especially because I felt like I needed to do the the hunter trials to get yeah. some of the better weapons and stuff, and those could be pretty time consuming to get those uh, a gold ranking or whatever the gold sun ranking on those. But uh, yeah, you're right. It, it definitely is. It's it's a long beefy journey, and and it probably could have lost you know five or ten hours and not suffered for it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, just yeah, got really good at the end too. No, but I'm totally with you. Now I'm doing the. I'm working through the Frozen Wilds expansion. Uh, I feel like I'm getting close to the end on that one, so I can nice. get that knocked out. But I definitely plan to say, you know, make sure I keep my save game because in the future I wouldn't mind running through it again in like a hard mode or something. Since they've added those in there, because uh, yeah. they really did enjoy the combat. No, the combat's great, and you know that ending, the ending sequence of battles just cemented that for me. And uh, yeah. Very epic. Uh, yeah, I'd like to play the expansion. I want to go back and find like the uh, the secret armor you can get before I do the expansion because it sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, love that. Oh, wow, game. you got through the ending without the super armor. I did. Yes. Wow, that's pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are a much better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might have just gone straight it for was, the armor. It was not easy. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, I can't even imagine because. That, that final th- sequence is pretty pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, they don't pull any punches. Cool. Can you, yeah, so awesome. Yeah, no, totally awesome, awesome game. I feel yeah. like, and I feel like it has a lot in common, you know, with Monster Hunter. It's just a little bit faster and focused on range combat. Um, but you got the traps. That's I mentioned before. I don't remember if you were here when I was really kind of gushing on it about how you, you know, you really get rewarded for thinking through some of the tougher combats and how you're gonna, you know, approach those and what traps are you gonna use or are you gonna stealth or you just gonna go balls to the wall, <laughs> you know. And then so, a lot of times, like, and I was playing the expansion this weekend and there was this really tough, you know, encounter. Um, and I died. So the next time I went in, I switched up my weapons. I took a bunch of free, you know, uh, focus on freezing everything with freeze grenades because you kind of get overrun. And that slowed things down enough to where I could pick them off without getting my ass totally handed to me. Uh, well, and the half a dozen trip wires with electric yeah. current running through them also didn't hurt. So, yeah, good times. Fun times. Absolutely. It sounds like that game really rewards trying to think through a fight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely times where, you know, where, uh, you, you, you you know, you can, you know, especially if you have good reflexes uh, and the such, you, you can get through some of the fights without planning ahead. But definitely the tougher fights, if you're feeling frustrated, because some of those, you know, the, the, the odds are against you, you know, <laughs> Um, so you do have to be careful about what you, you know, what you pull, uh, what traps you lay, thinking through things, um, whether or not you bring up, uh, a couple of overrated machines can help to be meat shield. Sometimes I did that once for a tough fight, uh, mm-hmm. and it really helped, uh, that I kept getting kicked over and over again. So yeah, cool. 
Anything uh, anything else there, Mr. Apps, you want to gush about? Uh, just a Q&A quest. Yeah. It's a fun little podcast you guys check out. Sending questions, complaints, etc. Honestly, though, I, I don't know why they would, because it, it pretty much felt like this <laughs> ended up being a Q&A quest episode right here. So well, we, I feel like it's out of the system now. They, we didn't talk about Saga at all, so you know, there's that. That uh, happens a lot on Q&A quests. <laughs> I talked about Saga last week. Does that help? Or the last time I was on, does that help? Yes, it always helps. Cause All the Saga. I, yeah, because <laughs> I think uh, romancing on the consoles had just come out. So I brought that up and got, yeah. talked about how I got into Saga because of RPG Backtrack, because of someone, I don't know who, gushing about <laughs> romancing Saga. It was probably you. No, uh, I think romancing that... Saga 1 and 2. For Romancing probably, Saga, it was probably Mr. Baker. Yeah, it was probably okay. Mr. Baker. Since he obviously knows Japan, Japanese, he got to play that before the rest of us. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, Saga. Saga. Cool, cool. Uh, what about you, Mr. Minky? Well, aside from Tales of Hearts R, <laughs> I, I can't imagine why I would have been playing that recently. Actually, I don't even know how I got started in it, but as soon as I knew that I was invested in the thing, I figured, all right, we can do a backtrack on that. And it turned out we did. <laughs> I don't know. I have started playing this thing called Dragon Ball Z Battle of Z, which the site actually says is an action RPG. And it's some kind of weird 3D fighting action RPG. Isn't that and, Arc System Works? Uh, I think it's Art Dink. Okay. And it's, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to have to do a review for it because obviously we haven't covered it before, but if the site itself says that it's an action RPG, we probably should. And I'm no stranger to reviewing Dragon Ball games by now. And it's definitely better than some of the ones I've played. Looking at you, Legacy of Goku. So you, Harukunari Densetsu, gigantic pile of junk. <laughs> I remember my husband telling me that one of the GBA ones had you go the entire snake way without any encounters or anything. It was just screen after screen after screen of the same environment. That might have been Legacy of Goku. I, I honestly can't remember. That game was thankfully short. Harukanaga Densetsu is not short. It is very, very long. And it has a battle system that is highly dependent on randomness. And there's no way to save in the middle of missions. And some of the missions can go on for over an hour. So imagine the thrill of fighting Cell four times and then losing on the fifth and having to restart the whole thing. Doesn't that sound awesome? No, that sounds maddening. Oh, and the battle system involves cards, and that's where no. the randomness comes from, because you don't know what the computer's going to do with its cards. You can't see its deck. No! And everybody has only five cards at once. And you can't even unlock the ability to combo the cards until way about 15 hours into the game. 
You're, you're giving me Nam flashbacks to Bat and Kaitos and that one boss fight that you had to do twice in a row. <laughs> that wasn't my intention, but at least you, at least we can share the misery that this can induce. Anyway, um, oh. I actually played a few non-RPGs recent, a, a few months ago, but they're fresh in my mind. I tried to play, thanks to the 3DS Virtual Console, the Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, my Why? God. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I... I didn't see how it could be so different. And now I do. I see that rings are pretty much worthless because once you get hit, they all fly away and you can't catch them. That's great. That's great game design. I love that one-ups, for whatever reason, are one-time only things. You get them once, and then if you die, they're gone. <laughs> Okay, okay, I, I got a question for you. If you were playing the Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog on the 3DS, you have the superior Sonic 1 with the 3D remake made by Christian Whitehead. I think it's Christian Whitehead. or Made by the good people that did the 3D remakes on the 3DS. Why didn't you get that one? Because I wanted to see what some early Sonic levels were like that I'd never experienced, and I got it. <laughs> they say, they kind of, yeah. You seem to have to play it on Game Gear. Yeah, really. Can you can you imagine all that with screen crunch? I did. I did that as a kid. I, I did that too. I, with Sonic I, Two I ate, ate all the batteries. Oh God, Sonic Two on Game Gear. That's a whole other discussion. Was I didn't game. get to Sonic 2 on Game Gear. I suppose I shouldn't. Did I get yeah, that on no, Eidos? You should. It's. Um, I know I bought Triple Trouble and... Uh, Sonic Chaos. I think it is Sonic Chaos, yeah. That, Sonic, that name just didn't seem right for some reason. Sonic 2 on Game Gear is a video game. <laughs> wow! In other news, water Mr. is wet. Mr. Generic! <laughs> And dirt is dirty. Will the sun rise tomorrow? I'm looking for the breaking news of the night. Wait, you you don't you aren't here to f- fulfill my need to know that the sun will rise tomorrow? Dang it! <laughs> well, I sure hope so. But t- to be fair, Sonic Triple Trouble is where it's at on the Game Gear. If you have oh, yeah. to have a Sonic Game Gear experience. Yeah. The Sonic Chaos isn't bad, but I have bad memories from that because I ended up beating it like within 24 hours of purchasing it. Well, after experiencing the Master System version of Sonic 1, I might actually appreciate that because the Sonic 1 on Master System is kind of nasty in spots. Mostly because of the whole... Uh, why did it have to have boss nothing but boss levels where you can't have any rings so you must be flawless uh good times the ironic thing about that is that the mas- the cart version of that is actually one of the most expensive master system carts 
Oh, I believe it. Yeah, if I might have spied it once upon a time when I had no idea whether I was looking at it as a stupid child, but I probably not. Is something about them bringing over the PAL version, but just like pasting a UPC on the box, and supposedly that UPC sticker is the difference between like twenty bucks and two hundred? Oh God! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. I could be off a little bit. This was something I saw in a YouTube collector's video ages ago, so don't quote me on that, but I do know that it is quite pricey. No, I know you're right, and I think the price has even gone up since then. Yeah. Uh, And let's see, using PSN, I played a bunch of Nuclear Strike. Because once upon a time... I enjoyed Desert Strike and Jungle Strike and Urban Strike and even Soviet Strike, even though I was never able to beat it because the final mission somehow is I'm sure there's a way, but I always got to the very last bit of it, which takes a couple of hours because it's a freaking long mission. And then the bad guy, the Shadow Man, pops up. Oh no, there are nuclear missiles under the Kremlin and they're launching! And you're supposed to shoot them down while he's somehow flying away in a biplane that takes everything I threw at it and didn't go down. <laughs> this is a little dinky thing that would have been spotting for the Germans on the Somme in 1916. And here it is shrugging off all the Hellfire missiles a modern day helicopter can throw at it. Nuclear Strike, I kind of enjoyed also, even with its honestly kind of prescient plot about the North Koreans deciding to nuke their own capital as a pretext for war. Yeah, that's not relevant at all in 2018. Nope, nope. Um, but that that gets us dangerous. This goes to politics. No, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, other than those few non-RPGs, I had Battle of Z, which... Since it says it's an RPG, and I can actually see how it's kind of an RPG, because you get, again, their cards, you you put them on your characters, and they actually increase their life, their hitting power, their energy, their abilities, all that. So, yeah, if you seriously can't beat missions without putting some stuff on your characters, then that's not your typical fighting game. Uh, That's about all I've been playing. Although I should say that I watched Raw Deal recently, which is kind of the forgotten Arnold movie. Mm. And it features moments like his wife tossing a cake at him and Arnold responding, you should not drink and bake. (laughs) Or later a bad guy telling him to not do that again or he'll kill him and Arnold responding, I hope you're not your mother's only child. When was this released? <laughs> 86. Okay, that that explains the bad Arnold puns. He got better. <laughs> Nobody could do a bad pun quite like Arnold. <laughs> Though, to be fair, my favorite Arnold, one of my favorite Arnold movies is actually Last Hash Action Hero, where it subverts all of that stuff, and it's hilarious. That's a good movie. <laughs> I, I, people... People railed on that movie, and I don't think they got the joke. I don't think so. <laughs> I haven't watched that in 20 years, so I don't remember much. 
it was pretty much it, it was pretty much just making fun of buddy cop movies and all the tropes that entail with them and it was a nice interesting little flick and had a bitchin' soundtrack yeah buddy cop movies certainly haven't gotten any more original over the years no they haven't that's what made that movie what made last action <laughs> hero so great there's even a cartoon cat in it, voiced by Danny DeVito. Yeah, how about... All right, I... I seem to be on kind of an Arnold kick lately, because I also watched Red Heat, which sadly isn't as good as it should be. And I might as well make Last Action Hero part of that. Yeah, make it a trilogy. Well, I've also been on a Stallone kick recently, Mr. Apps, actually, everybody probably remembers me watching Rocky Three a few weeks ago. Uh, Introducing yeah. Mr. T. <laughs> Peter Fool. But I also watched Tango and Cash, which should be better than it is. And Cobra, which is thoroughly ridiculous, but pretty darn fun. How can you not kind of like a movie where Stallone walks in dealing with a hostage situation at a grocery store and just tells the bad guy, you're the disease. I'm the cure. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, he he ends up shooting down something like 50 guys who all belong to a psychotic cult that seems to spend all of its time just raising axes and clacking them together in a group. Whatever. It's fun. So that's all I've got. I guess you're up, Phil. Okay. Well, um, just uh, as I mentioned before, I've been playing a lot more Monster Hunter, getting from Monster Hunter World. So super excited for that. Hunting down a some sort of sand shark right now. It's all about the sand shark. It's basically a shark with legs that swims in sand. So, Those things are annoying. They, it is, because he keeps jumping into the sand and swimming around really fast, and, and I'm just trying to hit him, and he won't stay still and let me hit him. Wait a minute. I swear I saw some of these things in the Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga remake. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but Because they're irritating. Uh, but uh, anywho, uh, definitely hyping it up with a lot of my friends, a couple of them getting it. So we're going to be playing online uh, on that when that comes out. So like I said, if you want to join us, hit me up on Twitter at JC Servant. I'm sure Mr. Apps will be playing it, right? Yeah. Yeah, sad-ass wheels. Heck yeah. Yeah, see if you could join us. Miss Relly is thinking about it. She's looking really hard at the Pelicos. Ow. Mm. He's yeah. gonna find pictures of white ones or orange ones that look like my cat, and just bombard me with them on Twitter and be like, "Join us!" Yeah, yeah. It's it's your favorite cat coming to help you slay gigantic beasts. What isn't to love? Um. So I even wrote an article on my blog about the top five reasons why I'm hop why I'm hop hopped and <laughs> too much beer. Um. Why I'm hyped for Monster Hunter. So. Um, that's how excited I am for it. Anywho, aside from that, I'm also excited, yeah, that they did bring the Romancing uh, Saga uh, game to the Switch. So, uh, I'm going to, my plan is, once Monster Hunter comes out, I'll really be focused on that. I can't see myself really still playing the DS games once 
you know, once we have the full-blown awesome experience on the PlayStation. I'm really just playing those right now just to, to get more familiar with the different weapons, uh, you know, and the such. Uh, but uh, once they do come out, I'm going to put Dragon Quest Seven back in now that I got that from the airport security at Long Beach. Thank you, guys. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and my goal for this year is to get through Dragon Quest Seven, then give Romancing uh, Saga 2, that's on the Switch, uh, a solid run. And then do Dragon Quest Eight, and I'd like to have those are all three very epic JRPGs that are in my backlog that are retro, that are awesome. So I'm really excited to try to get those knocked out by 2018. And see, Mike is so excited too; he can hardly contain himself. Yay! But there's a lot of us who are talking about our backlogs and what we're doing for the new year over at RPGamer.com. So if you're in the same boat with us. Uh, you know, feel free to hit over there and, and join in on the conversations that we have going on in the forums or just hit us up on Twitter or whatever it is you guys like to do these days for chit-chatting. But we have lots of different ways to talk about that uh, and uh, or Monster Hunter World, which is my I, I was going to ask you, Mr. 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 Apps. Yes. So so I, I you know, I like to paint myself as as an old school gamer. That's that's generally the games that I gravitate towards. Uh, you know, and the such. Uh, and that would include, let's say, maybe a modern game or a game that's come out recently, but it's retro styled. You know, like like XCOM is really, you don't see tactical turn-based RPGs like that really being a big thing, but that that's kind of in that vein. But would we say, is Monster Hunter a modern game? Or, I mean, it's a long-running series and they really haven't changed the formula a whole lot. But Dark Souls is kind of considered modern. What, what do you think? Where do you stand on that? Big debate. Yeah, modern. modern. Yeah. Okay, so it's my modern guilty pleasure. Aloy. Horizon Zero Dawn was my modern guilty pleasure of 2017. But, uh, and now this will be the 18. And the funny thing is, I've tried, you know, I've tried some of the other games that are really, really big this year. And we got so many good ones to pick from. Whether it's the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, or it's the new Mario game, or it's Mario vs. Rabbits and the such. But, you know, I find myself gravitating back to those old ones. I play them for, I play those other ones for a while. I'm like, okay, going, going back to one of these older ones now. So, oh, I still need to knock out Xenoblade Chronicles too. Because I'm only like maybe a third or halfway through that. So, it's just kind of gotten to a I, I, I'm interested in the story. It's just the battle system just not doing it for me. I just It just constantly erodes at my fun with the game when I have stupid and lame-ass party members who can't hold up their end of the bargain. If you're the tank, you need the whole aggro. If you're the healer, dang it, you should be healing. And, and when you guys can't do that, I want to kick you in the teeth. And I'm playing the DPS, dude, and I'm even laying off the DPS for a little bit. To let the tank regain aggro, but oh no, there was an ad, and the AI doesn't know how to grab aggro from the ads. Phil, uh, I highly recommend playing as the tank. Oh, but then I play as the tank, and then the healer doesn't heal right. And I got through one boss battle by by finally, after going through everybody else, finally jumping into her shoes... And sitting there with my, having her go every two seconds, my gun needs cooling, or whatever it is, and it's, my gun is overheating, and, and so, but, but I got through the battle, which kind of almost says to me, oh, I guess I don't, I guess I need to micromanage the healer, because pumpkin computer AI, (laughs) it doesn't help that I kind of coming off of, uh, you know, I put some time into Final Fantasy XII, another game that's in the back, like I really need to, to play through, 
And I just like the fact that you have so much control over your team there through the Gambit system. It isn't perfect. It isn't going to cover every single scenario. But then again, it allows you to interrupt combat at any time and, and jump, you know, and give somebody a specific command if that's what's needed to kind of get you through. Um, whereas Xenoblade Chronicles, you can't give anybody individual commands unless it happens to be when the party gauge is full, which is kind of hard to build up for me. Um, it doesn't happen nearly often enough. And yeah. In the meantime, I'm d- stuck with Twiddly D and Twiddly Dom. Would it help you to know that in Xenoblade 2, that's, it's vastly improved? Yeah, you know, and actually that's why, that's why, you know, I, I, I say that I play these games in order because I know that my my grief with this game is only going to be worse if I play, like, another game in the series that's better on it and then try to go back and play this, so, yeah, yeah. Because the nice thing about Xenoblade 2 is that when your healer, when they hit things, they generate hit point po- or HP potions that fall on the field. And they have an AI to them to where they'll leave them alone, but then they'll go grab them, and the entire party gets healed, which is kind of nice. You can, I mean, they, they generate, and then you can. What am What am I trying to say? Help, help me out, Mike. That that uh... that you can you can save the hit point potions that drop from when you need them. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting way to kind of go about it, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's interesting, like in some games. I mean, you, you know, I've played a lot of games where you have co-op partners, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you take X Men Legends for example. There's four X Men, but the other three are controlled by AI, which is not always the smartest. So mm-hmm. what they do is they dramatically lower the damage <sighs> that they do, but they also dramatically d- lower the damage that they take. So in other words, they become they're, they're really not – until you switch into their body, they're not really contributing a whole lot. They're not an important – you're the hero. Whatever character you're in at the moment, that's the main thing. Well, okay. Well, Phil, so one, you, thing, one thing, and I, I, it's been a while, so I may be wrong on this, but I believe you can go into each of the other characters and you know set their arts on the arts panel. And I believe that will limit what they can actually use. So if you're having problems where like someone's generating too much DPS, you can kind of go in there and – um, like remove some of the high damage dealing arts so they don't, they don't use those anymore and kind of tailor what not what they're going to use but at least what they have access to yeah that could that might be able to help a little bit um, like and like I'll have the healer draw too much aggro from from healing again from the ads usually because the tank doesn't understand oh there's ads i need to focus on them for a bit so you try to do the you're playing dps so you're trying to switch to the other ads and you're like go attack him everybody go attack because that's your only group you only have these very basic group commands i I don't know i guess again if it was the first real-time party-based combat where the party members actually matter because they are critical to your success their damage output and healing output unlike x-men legends is actually a significant piece of the puzzle and and the combat encounters are designed around them being used effectively you know but but if it was the first one i played okay but even tales of symphonia which Probably, which had to have come out years earlier, yeah. had more robust control over your characters during combat. It's it's certainly not perfect, but you, you kind of, yeah. If if you 
tweak things, I think you'll get to a point where you're at least much less frustrated. And I don't know how far you in the how far you are in the game, but once you have like the full selection of characters, gives you some more options on how to build your party and how to go about things. So it it yeah, it it gets better. And I would just I would just say keep trying to keep trying different things uh tweak who you're using who you're controlling and i think at some point you'll find a combination that works for you you should you shouldn't have to do that for sure it's definitely a uh well it's not even about i mean if i but yeah you know yeah it's just it's just you know i i I'm not sitting here on my high horse going, well, they should have made the game like this, so I'm not going to like it because it should have been that way. When it's combats, so when there are combats that my party easily overcomes, like random encounters and stuff, those are fun. Those are fine. Everyone's kind of yelling their thing, doing their thing. It's it's clearly designed a little bit on the grindy side because it's kind of designed with an MMO approach in mind. Um, so it gets a little bit long in the tooth, but it's kind of cool and it's kind of hyped. I like it when everyone's on the same page and things are clicking well. It's the boss encounters or the other, like, I, I wouldn't know if I call them boss encounters, but those encounters where there are lots of small enemies that tend to hit harder, like certain scenarios as you're going through the story. It's like, oh, we got to take on eight lizard men at once or 10 lizard men at once. And the AI just doesn't do a great job of you know, handling some of those uh, scenarios effectively, um, you know, as you're yeah. trying to get on the same page with your party and how you're going to, how you're going to deal with that. So the way I've, I've gotten through some of those encounters is by cheesing it, you know, kill, kill off two people, run far away. So the, you know, so that you can oh. break combat, heal, go back, ritz or repeat as you slowly whittle down their numbers. But that doesn't. That's where the combat system is no longer fun for me because it's it's not about the high horse. It's about I don't feel heroic going yeah. killing one guy, going back and resting, and and it's tedious at best, and and it's just so that's just eroding some of my some of my enjoyment. But the story seems pretty intriguing so far, and that's what's kind of making me go. I really should go back to it because I want to see what's going to happen. I want to play through it, and because I can see some setups here, and I want to see how they're going to play out in the plot. It's just it, funny that you're mentioning having to pick people off because in Xenoblade 2, you actually get a pull maneuver where you can throw a rock and just pull one dude out of a pack and, you know, go, you know, it's just like a line of sight taking and taking and wow, you pull one, you pull them off into the corner, you beat them down, rinse and repeat. You got that in here, like you do, you do have the option, there's a, there's a, like a taunt, uh, a taunt thing you can do with whatever character you're playing, so it kind of yells at the enemy or something, and if he's distant enough from the other guys, but you didn't want to get that close because it might aggro them all, it, it, there are some, you know, there are some overland areas where it's very effective, it can definitely... Uh, make it a lot easier. Kind of reminding you of the old World of Warcraft mechanic of making sure you're careful about what you pull. The encounters that are giving me heart heartache tends to be those that are part of the story. So you have to fight all eight of these or ten of these at once. You can't just add right. one or two. Yeah. So you'll get swarmed. You'll kill off one or two, but it will let you run away. There's enough space to where you can run away and break off combat. So you'll recharge and go back and rinse and repeat. But you can't just, you know, pick a few off. Um so it's just me griping. It's just no, uh, I understand, uh, and yeah, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback this stuff. But at the same time, I don't blame you for being frustrated because you know, hearing 
what you're talking about and how they addressed it in the sequel, it's like, yeah, they should have done some of that. Yeah, and that's where I get the feeling, like, I know it gets better, you know, I'm sure, in the in this, in this the sequels and stuff, and, and so I'm looking forward, you know, to that. kind of reminds me of Uncharted and having played the first one after playing more modern games like Tomb Raider, and that first one, that first Uncharted feels very clunky. And it was just like, okay, but I want to get through it because I know there's a story in the sequels that build off of it and the gameplay does get better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here, the stories don't really build off of each other, but I do, you know, the first one, according to many people, the first one has the best story out of all of them. So you definitely want to experience that and then see how the series, you know, grows. So, you know, those two reasons will will keep me glued to it. I might gripe a bit. It's kind of like Dragon Quest, what was it, six? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm glad I got through it. But man, was that real? Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> or Dragon Quest one or two, right? Um, it's just you know retro game. We, we get through some of the rough patches to get to the Dragon Quest fours and the eights and uh, and the yeah. such. So, yeah. but this has got the best story of all. And to some people, this is the best one, right? I, I, a lot of reviewers are saying this that that wow, Xenoblade Chronicles two played it wasn't as good as one. So we'll see. It okay. can be hard to go back. That's for sure. Yeah, and I feel like... And that was like when I went from Tomb Raider to Uncharted. Because Tomb Raider... It's really funny because Uncharted is a spiritual sequel in a way to the older Tomb Raider games. Mm-hmm. But then the new Tomb Raider, in a way, takes a lot from the Uncharted series. So having played the new Tomb Raider and then going back to the older Uncharted was a mistake. But I feel with Xenoblade Chronicles, I, you know, I was like, I'm going to go to the first one before I play the later ones. But I feel like the, where I'm where I'm getting a little dissatisfied is I played Tales of games before, and where where you at least have the ability to interrupt your party members and give them new directions, or at least give them some better strategies underneath the hood, uh, or heaven forbid you compare it to Final Fantasy XII with the Gambit system, and you're just like, why why couldn't they at least give me Tales of level of, you know, at least be able to interrupt during combat and say, for the love of Pete, heal the tank before he dies, you know, and stop debuffing or whatever it is you think you were doing that moment bad ai bad that's kind of what you want to do or yell at the tank and say you need to use that aoe taunt because we just have ads it's supposed to be built around an mmo uh at least that's the feeling i get because you got that holy triangle that's supposed to help you through the tougher fights but those mmo the way mmos works it does take a lot of coordination and does take smart people playing those roles playing tank isn't easy playing healer may not always be easy especially if you're dealing with a lot of status ailments um and you're trying to contribute to dps um and then the fact that it has the combo system set up in there where you're trying to knock people over and add the dizzy effect and whatever doesn't that that's more complication so you need an ai that can you know playing your partners that can hold up its end of the bargain but whatever, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. This too. But it's really gorgeous. All the other things we talked about before, super, super still loving it. Um, and I'm, and I can't wait to see how the story pays off. And I'm pretty sure I'll be on the back of the show and be like, oh my god, this story totally, totally. Screw my gripes. Do it for the story. So. Yay story. <sighs> that, in the, guys. that in the gym upgrade system. You gotta keep doing that. Just upgrade those gems. Oh, it is pushing midnight where I live, so I need to bid the podcast adieu. Well, this is where we wrap it up anyways, and remind all of our listeners that... Oh, wait, uh, yeah, i do this first. Remind all of our listeners, RPG Backtrack, it's a production of RPGamer.com. You search for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on the net. 
So go and check out every one of those things and our other sister podcast over at rpgamer.com and leave your comments. Preferably not getting drug into uh, Michael Apps uh, trolling to try to get people to turn our backtrack threads into Q&A quest. Uh, don't let him do that to you, okay? Don't feed the troll. Wheels uh, at rpgamer.com. Yeah, and, yeah. please forward all your comments about tonight's show. Tell me how much you hate me for daring to speak bad about Xenoblade Chronicles over to askwheels at rpgamer.com. So um, I'm at JC Servant. He's Ask at Wheels if you're into Twitter. And <laughs> at Jume Sin for Mr. Mike Minky. And uh, what was yours again? Uh, um, Redrock963 on yeah. Twitter. On Twitter. So tweet, tweet away. Hey, Mr. Mickey, do you want to put us to bed? Yeah, I think I will. I just have a tale of the sleep that I will soon be doing, and we will soon be talking about other tales, but I do not have something elaborate because I am tired right now. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>